0: In ages past, the Maker lay me down in the mountain,
1: created light within me. The hands of a king to daylight bring, ten thousand sparks of rainbow light. Tried in the fire of a
0: dragon's might, the heart of the mountain I remain. The precious stone, they fade.
1: 10,000 sparks of rainbow light, saved at last by the thief in the night.
0: On the heart of the king I remain, the often stone
2: they named me. Good morning everyone and welcome to this special bonus episode of Riddles in the Dark brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. I'm your co-host Dave Kale and I am uh, fresh back from my adventure and suffering at Comic-Con 2014 in San Diego, ready to share my experiences with um, Corey Olson and Trish Lambert, my co-hosts. And um, then we're going to do a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of teaser trailer analysis. You know, probably talk about it for a good um, five or ten hours. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Uh, Let's get started. And uh, for those of you who are with us live, you're now being treated to a picture of me sitting on the Iron Throne. Uh, And you know in the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. (laughs) And I can tell you that that evening, I lost. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <clears throat> what t-shirt are you wearing? Is that a Game of Thrones t-shirt?
2: No, it's a Microsoft Research t-shirt oh. <laughs> I decided that the way to set myself apart from the nerds and geeks and the Hollywood people was to uh, was to go the other direction so. Ah, um, okay this one just to give you just to give you the context this one's from i I had the good fortune of being able to go to uh, go to a Hollywood party um, um, after you know after uh, the convention on saturday Saturday night um, and it was a lot of fun saw a couple of famous people, but like I basically just collapsed uh, apparently, according to my friend, I fell asleep at the party. <laughs> <laughs> So I had I got no sleep the night before, didn't eat anything, then had had a couple glasses of scotch at the party, and then just passed out apparently. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> so I didn't get to enjoy very. I don't even get to enjoy the party very much. That was that, that describes a lot of really. Uh, apart from apart from my minor success in managing to get into Hall H, the rest of the weekend, the rest of the convention completely defeated me. <laughs> Um, It sounds like our special guest uh, who's on with us uh, was much better prepared and much more successful than I
1: was. That's right. That's right. We are joined this morning by longtime listener and faithful Riddles in the Dark attender Kim Waremeister, who was also at Comic-Con, and it sounds like stayed awake longer than Dave. In fact, she's now been awake for, like, what what was it, 33 solid hours, and she's just returned home uh, from Comic-Con, but we caught her before she fell asleep.
4: That's right. (laughs)
1: So, when did you guys get in line for Hall H, and how long did you have to wait?
4: So, I got in line at 1230, and what I did not understand was the super-secret line at that time, Uh, and we were in for the long haul. We had somebody who stayed, and we actually left for the one-ring Lake Town Luau, so we caught the tail end of that also, um, Mm due to some line rule changes that happened about every two hours we weren't sure we were going to go not going to go got to go got to uh, see Richard Taylor do the hula so that was great and um, just have a lot of fun with a bunch of the Weta guys and hang out have a good drink because we needed it after being in line for a long time and then back to the line and had just managed to get really great seats at Mall H.
1: Yeah, sounds like it.
2: So you got in line at twelve thirty on Friday.
4: Yes.
1: <laughs> this is twelve thirty in the afternoon. So twelve th- just afternoon.
4: Yes, yeah. so we were in line a total of twenty two hours. <laughs>
2: oh my goodness. So so you um, so you were in the line the line on the sidewalk in front of the Hilton? Yes. So you yes. must have been like you must have been like fifty.
4: Like, we were we counted about sixty. We were about okay, sixty yeah. in line. That was before about 20 people jumped the line in front of us, but, you
2: know. Oh, yeah. Well, um, uh, th- so when I, I got my, I walked by you apparently multiple times um, <laughs> throughout the day. I walked by. I checked out the line at about 2 p.m. and counted it, and there were about 200 people in it. And I thought, okay, I, I can come back at dinner time. It's fine. I came <laughs> back at 6 p.m., and the line had already extended past, you know, it wrapped around that, that little infield where they had the Godzilla statue, um, right. went along, the went in front of the Hilton, went down the water, and uh, I went, in, and I was like, oh, crap. And I, like, sprinted to the end of the line, got in the got in line next to this, uh, past some yachts, um, in, uh, next to a parking lot next to Joe's Crab Shack, and then uh, the guy and I, the guy in line behind and I... Um, Went and actually counted the line in front of us, and it was fourteen hundred.
4: <laughs> I I believe it. In fact, the oh line was the longest it had ever been in history. Yeah. It was over nine thousand people <laughs> at the end. Now, yeah. mind you, only sixty five hundred can get in.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow,
4: two thousand five hundred very hopeful people standing. Wow, out.
2: so the line right. goes ever on, right? Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, my yeah, down goodness.
2: from the corner of the sidewalk with it. <laughs> <For beginning. laughs> yeah. I um, learned the
4: hard way last year. It got cut off six people behind me. I literally oh. was number 6,444 getting in last year.
2: Whoa. So, Corey, if you go in the drop box, pull up, um, go into the, uh, Hall H line folder and pull up, um, just pull up Friday afternoon. That'll show you the line at when, uh, the stat, state of the line when I got in it. This one? <clears throat> uh, the folder is haul H line, and then just the first one. yep yeah. uh, the, the The top. first one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's the you can see the yachts along the way. By the way. The, we, we we spent a certain a, a fair um fair amount of time being resentful of the people having parties on the yachts, on the <laughs> uh, especially especially at about midnight when people decide to start going to sleep and the people on the yacht decided to start having a dance party with a thumping bass. <laughs> right. <clears throat>
3: I used to live in that marina, but unfortunately, at that time, Comic Con took place in a small venue in La Jolla, so I never got a chance to take advantage of. It being in the convention center, dang.
2: So, Kim, did you know the people who were in line in front of you, uh, the very front, were in line since Thursday afternoon?
4: I did. It was yeah. the super, super secret line. Yes. Yeah, so they were hiding on the other side of the marina, and then they moved to uh, they moved out of the marina in front of the Bayfront at about eleven o'clock and That's made them, their presence there, known the at about... And it turned out there were three secret lines. Nobody knew the other people were starting lines. They just had well, to be the first ones to move into the Bayfront, and so they got to claim official yeah. college line.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, Comic-Con rules technically forbid Comic-Con from starting a line while sessions are, are, are ongoing. So, theoretically, mm-hmm. the line's not allowed... The line for Saturday should not start until Friday night when when things done. But There were so many people milling around that Mm -hmm. Comic-Con just gave up and was like, all right, fine, we'll let you form a line.
4: Yeah, fact, security came to me because I was supposed... I didn't even know I was in the area where people were milling around. I was just stopping to rest and get a drink, and security approached me and asked me if I was there for Hall H, and I, of course, said, well, of course I am.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good job.
4: And she said... Very quietly, because apparently the internet and Twitter don't exist. Very quietly, I'll take you to the back of the line, and she actually escorted me to the end of the secret Hall H line.
2: Well so done. I
4: nice. was then texting my friend frantically: "Grab the bedding, grab everything." Grab
2: <laughs> <line."> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so um, th- this picture here, Dave, is what like dawn breaking over the Hall H line? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, this is where the security started. Security people started walking up and down the line saying, Wake up! Wake up! <laughs> we're going to move you soon! Um, and you can see, so on the right-hand side, there's this little in, infield um, area where they had a bunch of things set up. Um, the line, that line is in front of me. Uh, it wraps, it goes... It goes down the side, and then right now, right in front of that building, you can see um, uh, there's a building right there, a bathroom. It wraps around the infield there and then goes up the other side and sort of ends on a, ends on a corner right next to an intersection. And then um, uh, it continues along the right-hand side. It continues sort of out of the right-hand side of the photo way up to the Hilton that's right there, and then around, and then comes back down along the left-hand side, which is where I was, and then just basically goes on forever in that distance, about two and a half miles. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Um, You know, and and to me, the thing that was really, really kind of surprising, I kind of expected there to be some mania over it, because... You know, people like me and Kim who are huge Tolkien fans and thinking like, well, this is the last time ever, you know, this is our chance, We got to do it. But actually, I really think that the, the majority of these people uh, were there for the entire panel and specifically for Marvel. Most of these people went in and then just stayed the entire day in Hall H. Um, Agreed. Which, which is shocking because that means this is going to happen next year and the year after and the year after until people get sick of Marvel. <laughs> Right.
4: Well, Star Wars is going to be the big, oh, big the one that's going to blow the roof off the place. That's yeah. going to be the big one.
2: Yep. Yep. Well, um, so uh, the the I assume you must have gotten a uh, an A wristband, right, Kim?
4: I am still wearing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. Nice. So, what they decided to do this year to try and limit last minute cutting was. Um, uh, to hand out wristbands at around midnight, you can see mine there. Uh, and so, uh, and they they kind of used. We sort of knew roughly when they would do it, but they didn't announce. They didn't. They didn't. You know, officially announce a time ahead of time, so that people couldn't get. Ga- you know, game the system, or at least try not to. Although people did. As soon as we heard, people started tweeting from the front of the line. Oh, they're handing out wristbands. As soon as they did that, people started frantically calling their friends. You better get over here, because the idea was. The wristband did not absolve you of the, your, of the need to wait in line all night, but it guaranteed if you got the wristband, you would get in. And a person with a wristband who happened to be in line in front of you would not get in. So if people invited their you know 30 of their friends in to line at, at uh, 8 a.m. to join them, they didn't have wristbands, they wouldn't get in. Um, so, so the wristband, it kind of had dual effects. People, on the whole, I think people seem to hate it. It guaranteed. It, it guaranteed everyone would have to spend the night because people got, people got kind of. You know, they, the rumor was they would hand them out around midnight, so people assumed, well, we're spending the night, and they lined up early. The but what it did do though is it ensured that if you got the wristband, you knew you were getting in, and it was worth your time to spend the night. Right. As opposed to spending spending the night in line all night and then finding out the next morning, oh, I didn't get in, no. So um, and it also minimized like. The only way, your friends, now your friends, if they, if they, there were people who had friends who showed up around midnight, got their wristband, left, went home, slept, came back at 8 a.m., got in line, but that actually didn't happen very much. I think the majority of people were there for most of the night, even if they, like, there were a couple people in line right next to me who lived around the corner. We went back to their apartments, took a shower. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. There was there was there was a, there was a lot of line cutting between 6 p.m. and midnight. But once the wristbands um, were handed out, the line cutting was over. So,
4: well, the rules changed as the night went as the day went on. So, when we got in line. <laughs> yes, they were sticking with the rules as they were written. That one person can stay, and yes. um, as long as one representative of your party stays in line, other people can leave. At yeah. around. Yeah. Three o'clock they changed that and they said no one can leave the line at, except to use the restroom for any reason. Uh so in fact we yep. had the Lake Town Luo tickets and we thought, Okay, we're just gonna have to miss the party because we are in for the Hobbit panel, that's what we're here for. We we traveled from Michigan and that is why we're here. So we yep. you know we're in it and then what happened was a second line formed based on the rules online that said, Look, you know, you're not supposed to line up until the programming for the previous day is finished. So we are the ones who are correct. You need to disregard that line of 2,000 people back there. We are the correct line. So when that came about, security, um, not wanting to deal with 2,000 unhappy people, then reverted to the original rules of one person can stay and others can leave, and they disbanded that second line. So. That was what we were dealing with. Was what was going on? You know, it's new rules. You you always know something's going to be, you know. And they changed it every single day. Every yeah. single day they had the whole age line. They changed how they were using, <laughs> utilizing the yeah. rules. So, just what happened the day before was not a good guide for how you should, you know, how how you should make your plans. Which is why we got in line at twelve thirty and burned ourselves through sort of a crisp out in the California sun. Oh, wow. Came from yeah. Michigan. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, that explains the, the flurry of angry tw- tweets um, on Friday night. I bet that of yes. uh, people who are upset that, like, oh, you're not supposed to be letting a line form during the other panels mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, that explains that. I'm guessing that was all those guys who who were, you know, trying to form a second line. The thing yes. is, though, you know, like, I... I do feel like the the main, I actually think the wristband thing worked pretty well and that things went fairly smoothly, especially the next morning. I think the main problem was there was very little official communication. Um, And that's why the, the last photo that I put in there of me with the guy in the green shirt that was a comic-con employee who took it upon himself to just start using Twitter to inform the crowd what was going on. And he's now like basically a minor comic-con celebrity (laughs) (laughs) and people wait in line for all age. They're like, Oh, that that Ronnie, his name's Ronnie Bautista. And they're like, Oh, that guy's great. He told us what was going on. He has like, I think his number of followers probably quadrupled on Twitter. (laughs) Um, So, um, yeah, I. But I sympathize with Comic Con. I mean, I, they they have this lot They have these rules that say you don't you're not supposed to form lines. But people were literally just out there, just kind of milling around, you know. And and it's like, well, what are you doing here? Well, I'm, you know, I'm uh, I'm not in line for hall H or anything. I'm just standing here. And there's, you know, pretty soon there's thousands of people doing that. They're cluttering up sidewalks, they're going into the roads and stuff, and it's just, you know, you're better off just saying, okay, you're now officially a line, um, as opposed to just, I guess, letting them mill around and block things up and cause accidents and stuff. So, in so in I, my I, opinion,
4: I, they just need to give out the wristbands as soon as, if they, once they sanction a line, give out the wristbands then, because it will stop the people jumping in line that happened that you were talking about. I mean, if yeah. you're going to let that be the line, let it be the line. Give people wristbands, yeah. and they can make plans and go about the rest of their day.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
4: By waiting. Yeah, I, think probably,
2: by... I think probably what they're going to have to do eventually is they're just going to have to do online signups for panels, I think. Yeah. But I, I think the, the – my understanding is the convention center wanted us to be able to go home as soon as we got our wristbands. Because you, you sort of – the natural question to ask is if they're doing wristbands, why are you spending the night in line? Um, the con did not. The con wanted us to, to stay. And I think, I think again, I think I understand why, because I think it would have been chaos. I think a lot of people wouldn't have gone home because they weren't just lining up to get in. They were also lining up to get a good spot. And I think a lot of people would have stayed.
0: Exactly. And it would have
2: created chaos to have half the people... You know, having a bunch of people with D wristbands lined up near the front hoping to get a good spot, and then having people with A, B, and C who went home for the night coming back and saying, Hey, move back. I'm a, I'm in front of you. And there would have also been a whole bunch of people in line thinking maybe the wristband people won't come back. Maybe I'll get in. So it's a nightmare. I don't know what to do about it. There Corey, we go. We
3: definitely have to, Corey, we definitely have to keep this in mind for uh, MythMood. Yes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: The the
3: one thing,
1: I mean, there's got to be a better way to establish order than what we've done in the past when we have people lining up around, (laughs) you know, down the street.
2: Yeah. The one thing I will say, the line, I did, I made some incredible friends uh, in line, which is, I guess, always true when you undergo an ordeal with other people, (laughs) you become friends. Yeah. And I made some really cool, met some really cool people, had a great time. So I'm thinking maybe we can simulate that at MythMood, like just have some kind of um, set of trials and tribulations that yeah. would force people to undergo. To yeah, it's that's good because
1: I've I've actually been thinking several times that one of the things that really <laughs> we don't have enough of at MythMood is just suffering inflicted upon people. Um, that's and you And because you're yeah. right, you know, great adversity brings people together. So we should schedule some, you know, some planned adversity uh, for the people <laughs> to endure. Yeah. I think that would be an excellent feature. I, in fact, I bet people would pay extra for that, frankly. I mean, they'd be like, but am I going to suffer a lot? And if so, I'd be willing to pay 50% more, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now,
2: granted, granted like some people in- inflicted their own suffering on themselves at MythMood by not Have sleeping so. at all and drinking too much. To drink. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, yes, that always happens. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, so so here's, here's my question for you, Kim. Do you think it was worth it? waiting in line for 33 hours.
4: <laughs> I'd do it again right now. <laughs> I lo- it was amazing. It was You could watch the panels online, and that's great. And I did that. I remember in 2012, with great envy, that I watched the Hobbit panel, and um, it was great to see the, the cast that they had at that time. But what you can't capture there is the feeling and the energy. And when the trailer played, and people, 6,500 people in tears... And then cheering and just being a part of that—it's amazing. It's amazing. And you realize this is what it was all for. This is why I haven't eaten in twelve hours. This is why I am sunburned to a crisp. This is why I am exhausted. And I would get out of line and do it all over again.
1: Well, and Kim, yeah. you got to—you—you you, you actually got to uh, to meet some people too, right? Like uh, we see, for instance. This is, of course, Kim's superior wristbands to Dave's that we're seeing here in this picture. But we also have...
4: Yes. So, uh, please note that I look like I was asleep two minutes ago because I was.
2: (laughs) Oh, you got to sleep in the tent.
4: Yes. On the grass. (laughs) Tent
2: people. Yes.
4: Yes, yeah, so we had nice plush, if you can call it plush grass, but although we were on a hill and a slope, so your head was way above your feet, so it was like sitting, uh, sleeping on a, on a heavy slant, So and the grass was very wet in our area, because we were at the edge of a tent, so the grass is, there's some give and take there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, at 3 a.m., uh, Andy Circus and Lee Pace, uh, and according to Lee Pace, this was Andy Circus's idea, he said, hey, come on, come on, come on, let's go visit the Hull H line. And so Andy Circus actually shook the first five people in line awake. Wake up, wake up, wake up. We're here to say thank you for supporting the movie. And so these people, are, you know, they thought the line was being condensed. They jumped up. They started grabbing their things. And then they realized it's
2: Andy Serkis and not some convention people. And I'm like, oh, God, Gollum's going to throttle us in her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, he should have used the Gollum voice. Yeah. So uh, oh, yeah.
4: ran over, got a
2: picture.
4: I, I mean, I honestly, somebody just shook me and said, Andy Serkis and Lee Pace are here. And she said, Kim, it was like the house was on fire. You were just on your feet and going. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we found so- they were super sweet. And Lee Pace, poor guy, was completely crisped. He was as sunburned as all the rest oh. of us. I don't know what he'd been doing, but... Uh, <laughs> So as it, you, the picture with us having our arm around each other, we were both being very careful about putting our arms around each other. For these pictures. <laughs> I was sunburned. He was sunburned. So, okay, very careful. So, but, uh, um,
1: so uh, to to me, the the big news here is uh, Lee Pace's eyebrows are real.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they're legit. That's yeah. the real deal. Yeah, yes.
1: that's wow.
3: It's obviously, why test. you got the part.
1: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it is. Yeah.
4: <laughs> the eyebrow acting.
1: <laughs> very cool
4: he was very method with the eyebrows
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so that's pretty
2: neat I I, gotta, I I suppose i suppose my my um uh my description of my my feeling about my experiences would be even more positive if uh if i had gotten to meet lee pace and andy circus while i was doing that i i'm on the whole my feeling was um I I enjoyed the experience, and I'm glad I did it, but I certainly will
0: never do it again.
2: I'm not doing this (laughs) for Star Wars. I'm not doing this for Marvel. I'm not doing any of that. Uh, I'm not doing this again. Because, uh, honestly, I I saw a couple people... Apparently, actually, apparently the buzz about the Hobbit panel on the Internet is pretty negative. People felt like it was long and boring. Um, I saw uh, uh, an article on, I think it was io9, described it as... um, Long and dull and uh, and extremely self congratulatory, and and I actually I read that and I laughed and I was like that's actually that's true it, it, that is a lot of the panel apart from the the blooper reel which was great the montage of clips which was cool because it included some desolation of smaug um, uh, um, extended cut stuff and the teaser trailer which admittedly came out two days later so now I feel much less excited about having gotten <laughs> seen it. Um, you know, and the emotional experience was great. But the panel itself was, it was boring. It was really pretty boring. They really didn't give us much, anything. I mean, it was cool to see the actors. It was fun, especially to see, like, Cate Blanchett and stuff. But, I mean, they really just sat and kind of joked with each other and kind of talked about, you know, and patted themselves on the back for, for what they'd done. And uh, and Stephen Colbert, you sort of were hoping, that he had some kind of Stephen Colbertish moments where he, uh, recited part of the Tom Bombadil poem from memory, and kind of ribbed Philippa about kicking her butt on trivia and stuff like that. But, but on the whole, like I wasn't that. Ex- I was kind of disappointed with the questions he asked. And then the crowd questions are always terrible. There, it's just every one of these panels, the crowd questions are terrible. So, on the whole, I kind of you know, like I felt like the panel, like it was satisfying emotionally to be there for the last one. But really yeah uh, like I'm I have my rule for myself now is no more Hall H panels it's not worth the effort it's uh it's you know there were so many other things going on at Comic-Con that I missed because I was spending my time worrying about this that I I'd rather, I'd like to go back to Comic-Con next year not do Hall H and be able to enjoy some of the other stuff um,
4: I I will say that I I did uh, Hall H last year and uh, this is the day that I the time that I was cut off. It, it was a lot less stressful when there was not a panel in there that I felt like do or die about. I, I was just yeah. going for the experience. So this was, this is my line buddy and fellow Tolkien fan there, uh, Dawn. And uh, so my line camping buddies, and this is our victory.
0: <laughs> we,
4: we made it. This is just a couple minutes be- uh, after the Hobbit panel. In fact, you can see some people in the background wiping their eyes. So uh,
2: <laughs> yes, it people was, were uh, crying.
4: yes. So it was, um, it was great. And you could, Some of the sunburns, and
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Um,
4: and this is my, I just took this before I sent the, so that's my wristband this morning. That's what mine looks like. <laughs> you, can, you can see the, uh, the uh, chat going on behind my wristband there. That's <laughs> right.
2: right now. Yeah, that, that's what mine looks like as well. It's <laughs> never I it coming off. I wanted, to, I, I wanted to, I knew I would destroy it eventually, so, yes. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I, I gotta be honest with you, Corey. Like, on balance, uh, uh, I enjoy MythMoot more than Comic Con. I think.
3: Oh my gosh, I'm gonna quote you.
1: Yes. Yeah. MythMoot. It's better, it it's better than Comic Con. It's
3: better than Comic
1: Con. Dave that's Kale. Right, Dave Kale. That's yeah, right. Yeah.
2: I, 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 I mean, Comic Con was fun, but it's it feels it feels very corporate. It's definitely been taken over by Hollywood people. Which nothing against Hollywood people. Hollywood people took me this year. Um, and I love them to death, but uh, but it feels one, it feels a lot less geekish, and two, it's. I guess I'm a different kind of geek. I'm not real big on the costumes and the celebrities. I I like going and you know I've 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 been in. I, I'm I'm the Tolkien professor type of geek. I'm I want to discuss ideas and discuss the text and literature and stuff and and uh, and uh, these kinds of cons don't you don't get that very much. Maybe Dragon Con you would get a little bit more. I've heard really good things about Dragon Con, by the way, really good things. Um, but uh but i think mythmoot and mythcon are a little more my speed like i want to go hear talks and, and that kind of stuff so i um.
4: i tend to enjoy both and so i get a lot from comic con but it's it's i'm grateful it's only once a year for on multiple <laughs> levels yeah. and uh i think every year you go you learn a little bit more you become wiser and you become a little more relaxed about okay i didn't make this you just have to prioritize and and let it go. Um, this one yeah. was tough for me, though, because I couldn't. I just desperately wanted to be in the Hobbit panel. Yeah. And all the stress around Hall H and the rule changes, and uh, that made it just extremely tense.
0: Yeah. yeah. So And,
4: you I, you know, we lost it a, pretty much a day of the convention yeah. just being in line. So there is that, too. So, right. so what is your level, your commitment to that day? It was a lot less stressful last year when I just... Got in line, and yes, I was six thousand and you know four hundred and forty-four people back. But um, even then, not knowing if I was going to get in or not, it was less stressful.
2: Yep, right. I agree. I
3: want to know what's up with Elijah Wood with that buttoned-up shirt. I mean, come on, <laughs> Elijah, Good loosen guy. up! <laughs> I mean, it I'm was...
2: kind of a nerd.
3: He is! I mean, I, it was amazing. Stephen Colbert asked him if he would... If he, he said... He, he pointed out that he never ages. And Elijah said something like, he, there's probably a painting in an attic somewhere of him that's aging for him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and Elijah repeated again that he never has read Lord of the Rings.
2: Yeah, or he didn't He didn't read it... Uh, the, the movies... The experience of being in the movies didn't cause so him immersive. to go back and read yeah.
3: it Yeah. No, well, he said he never and, read it. He said he read The Hobbit, and then he had Lord of the Rings up on his shelf, but it was just so daunting, he never did. And then he did the movie, and it was so immersive, he just hasn't felt that he needed to go back and read them.
2: <laughs> yeah, nothing like nothing like going out of his way to continue to antagonize us. Afterwards. Yes. I know,
3: and, and, and people react, and he goes, why? I've said this before, and I'm like, well, why do you feel the need to keep saying it? Right, <laughs> yes.
1: exactly. Were you pleased by the reaction? I suppose you were pleased by the reaction you I incited guess. the last time yeah. you said it, so...
2: So, did you guys catch in the panel um, Peter Jackson saying that apparently the original, original, original pitch for Tolkien adaptations was two films, one Hobbit, one Lord of the Rings. Yeah.
3: Yep, that was the original pitch.
1: Um,
2: I feel like, I, I feel like we're getting, I feel like the narrative about how these films came about continues to evolve. Yes.
1: I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I'm pretty
2: sure that he said something different previously. Well, previously,
3: We could probably go back in archives and find what he well, said. Well, I'm pretty
1: sure that he said it was a two film adaptation of the Lord of the Rings that he pitched. I'm pretty sure that that's what he says in the commentaries on the yeah. Fellowship of the Ring film. Um. Yep. But, you know, wh- whatever it, Yeah, it's, actually, it's... Joyce,
3: Joyce remembers it correctly I was just going to say, I thought he actually had said the original Was was one Hobbit and two Lord of the Rings Was the original pitch, that's what he actually said in the panel So he wasn't too far off okay. But he was including, another, the point was The point was that he was including the Hobbit Originally, it was going to be right. done first Yeah, yeah And actually, Stephen Colbert had said to him, well, you, since you're doing Three of the Hobbit, you now owe us six more Lord of the Rings movies <laughs> <laughs> And Jackson's response was, if Warner could figure out a way to do it, they would.
1: Right, yeah. right, of course. Um, you know, I, it, that's actually a really interesting thing to think about, you know, what what a, a Hobbit film would have looked like had he done them all at the same time. Um, that, because I'm assuming the fact that he was pitching them together suggests that he was thinking of it in a similar way. That is, that he was thinking not of doing... You know, trying to actually do the Hobbit as it is represented in the book, but rather doing the um, Lord of the Rings, you know, version, you know, from the, the Lord of the Rings vantage point uh, on the Hobbit. And if so, you know, how, how, how he would have approached that, I think is very, is very interesting to think about.
2: Yeah, I, I have a feeling we would have gotten something that looked very different. I have a feeling we would have gotten uh, a much less serious and epic Hobbit.
1: Um, well, I, I I think we would have to have. I mean, even if he had been, even if he at that point had this idea, you know, this concept of like, you know, the post Lord of the Rings Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that it would have been developed in exactly this way. I mean, there's so much, you know, we've been talking through riddles in the dark from the beginning about ways you know the ways in which the lord of the rings films are informing some of the choices that he's making now um but i think that you know if we if we really thought that through the um the you know the it, it the result would be really uh more profound i think
2: yep
0: yep
1: but um yeah, we, so we should let's... probably start talking about the trailer before too long. <laughs> oh, We've already dear. been going almost an hour, and uh, <laughs> well, I guess I'm we got only... a half an hour of recording time, really. Uh, but still,
2: <laughs> yeah, I we should on
3: Dave's trailer. only got another um, hour, I think. So yeah, I
2: just wanna I wanna toss on a uh, just toss out a few more things about the panel that that you won't see when you watch the video. Um, there was the thing started off with a extended montage of clips. Um, mixing up Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, which people seem to enjoy, although I'll be honest with you, I mostly found it disorienting <laughs> going back and forth between Lord of the Rings and Hobbit clips. Um, but it was kind of cool, especially because, um, as, uh, 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 as we've already discussed, they threw in some extended uh, cut stuff um, from Desolation of Smaug. Specifically, we saw a shot of Thorin firing an arrow at a white stag. Um, wow. So I think that's a pretty good indicator that we're going to get a an extended Mirkwood sequence in the uh, in the uh, yeah. Well, of course we. Sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There,
3: there was. Yeah, we know about. I was going to say there was a of more dwarves. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, Kim. Go ahead one more time.
4: There was a, a couple of really fast clips of the dwarves, more of them uh, just trudging through Mirkwood and uh, I did notice that when Thorn was firing that arrow, he looked very angry and I I wondered if we're going to get some indication that he understands in some way that that is some some essence of Thranduil
1: yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah
2: that was the the that was the speculation by the the, the One Ring .net folks. I was reading their article discussing the stag, and there were there were some, some somebody. Oh, I guess there's an, an interview with Richard Armitage at some point where he talks about this scene and mentions that the, that the stag is like an avatar of, Fanduel um, yeah. or something like that. I don't know. You know, I'd take everything he says with a grain of salt. But yeah, um, so that was that was exciting. And then I guess the, I. I missed the raven scene, but that was that in the montage as well, Kim.
4: That was in the montage, and it's the scene where they're uh, looking down at Erebor, and hmm. uh, the the raven was clearly—you don't actually see it sitting on Balin's hand, but he's clearly reaching his hand out to release it. Hmm. So that I—it was so funny. I I turned to Don and said, "Team Rowak <laughs> That's
0: right. Um, That's right. i feel
4: like uh I feel like that that could be some kind of maybe it's um it it didn't look uh caricatured. It, it looked just uh very much uh like in the style of um uh, uh, uh birds so mm-hmm. made to look very natural so maybe they'll do the same style where the bird will, will
1: well you know'll
4: just inherently understand what they're saying
1: i have to say if relic is on the screen that will be good, but if if he doesn't like verbally deliver messages i'm going to be uh i i i am going to feel that he's been 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 cheapened uh and i will be a little bit dis- disappointed if we don't hear him speak that's that's uh, you know um yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. It's that's just. Uh, I'm I'm um, I'm, I'm going to have pretty high standards when it comes to Roach, uh, uh, and, and <laughs> you know, just to make sure he's been done right. I'm, I'm going to audition myself as Roach's personal agent. I think actually, and uh, and we'll see what we can negotiate on Roach's behalf for the extended edition. So, good idea. I like yeah, it.
2: Yeah. Um. The other the other notable thing uh, is they did this nice extended blooper reel that was very funny. Um, there was a lot of dancing. Um, there was a lot of references to th- other things people have been in. So the very first the very first part of it was uh, Aragorn. It was that um, scene. It was the scene from right before they walk the Paths of the Dead, where Elrond shows up. You mm-hmm. know, Aragorn comes into a tent, and then there's a. Hooded figure, and he draw, and he removes it, and reveals himself to be Elrond. It, but in this case, it's um, uh, Hugo Weaving wearing sunglasses and uh, and addressing um, Aragorn in his um, Agent Smith. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot of stuff like that. There was a there was a really good one where um, the black riders, two black riders, are trying to swing up onto their horses in order to take off after Frodo, and the one guy can't get on his horse. And just, <laughs> the horse is just going around in a circle, and he's trying to swing himself up.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah, I, that kind of thing would be like at least three times as funny to watch a ring wraith do it. You know, as Especially, it would be anybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah.
4: It was
0: great.
4: Yep. <laughs> I remember the, all a, the keys that wouldn't turn. The, the, key, uh, yes. the key to the board where richard armitage is trying very hard to stay in character and and force this key to turn and it won't turn In uh, all the tries that mark yes. freeman had at the uh, elvin jail trying to turn that key there was clip after clip after clip of the key just failing and uh, everybody just it gets progressively hilarious <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. i hope he re- i hope he releases just that at some point
4: I had seen a couple of bloopers in there, I but I, I had not seen most of them. I think they said most of them had not been released and seen before.
2: Um, there was, let's see, there was a, there was a scene of, um, there's a lot, lot of scenes of Ian uh, McKellen screwing up his lines. Like one notable yep. one was, was uh, from, from the first Hobbit film where he's saying like, you know, orcs. And then he goes, and so far from Orcland. Um, lots of Ian there was also some really funny Christopher Lee stuff there was uh, Christopher Lee uh, as Saruman in his tower with Gandalf um, walking along muttering saying something about you know uh, having trouble getting up the goddamn steps he's sorry he fell over these clothes are a menace oh I've seen that one yes (laughs)
3: I've seen that one he gets pretty upset yes yes
4: Gandalf dancing in his. underwear.
2: Um, and then there was this... Yes, Ian McKellen <laughs> dancing in his underwear, and then uh, there was a scene uh, following. There was a they did the the Saruman um, falling off um, falling off Isengard and onto the spike, and then mm-hmm. the voiceover from Christopher Lee saying something about how he had a deja vu moment, where he remembered a similar experience like you know decades ago where he was lying his character was lying on the ground and he was dead. And he looked up and he saw Peter Cushing. And this time he looked up and he saw Peter Jackson. <laughs> yes. So that was fun. That was fun. That was. I think that blooper reel was my favorite part of the, the um, Hobbit panel. So anyway, um, Kim, you got? Do you have any last things you'd like to share about your Comic Con experiences or Hall H uh, experiences?
4: uh wow uh, I'm just getting coffee too <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
4: you know i uh I was kind of surprised there wasn't more of a hobbit presence at the convention um there were i mean the outside of Weta and the yeah. uh, very difficult to get your hands on and I never did get one um uh, the uh bard poster for Battle of five armies um yeah that that kind of surprised me knowing that. Um, it was the last showing, but, uh, Marvel just pretty much owned this convention. Mm. Um. Yep. Yeah, there always seems to be one fandom that rules them all, and it was definitely Marvel, and Game of Thrones was up there this time, too. Um.
1: Yep, I agree. It,
4: uh, but yeah, it was, uh, we did so much. We we pretty much, we hit Peco Park, we did everything, so, um kind of a whirlwind I'm still wrapping my brain around it but um yeah, yeah.
2: I would say uh, the, the the last thing I would want to share is um <laughs> really the most the, the by far and away the winner of the Hall Age panel on Saturday was Mad Max Fury Road that looks Frickin' amazing. i <laughs> just going to come out and say it. And, and also the interview with George Miller was by far the best um, panel discussion because they actually asked him substantive questions and he talked about his creative process and the, his world building and stuff, which was cool. But, but man, they, they showed us the trailer, which, are, which is online now, but they showed us a whole bunch of extra footage, and it literally you just like the audience was stunned. It was unbelievable. I was totally there for The Hobbit, but I definitely came out thinking, wow, Mad Max looks really good.
4: <laughs> we had the same reaction, in fact. We kind of likened the Mad Max uh, trailer to and footage with the Shire where you you just feel completely immersed in this culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you you are in that environment as opposed to that environment coming at you. Which is um, always the impression that I get when I watch, you know, Fellowship or, or Hobbit when, when you're in the Shire. It's just so lush and, and you just want to be there. I don't know that you want to be on location with Mad Max, but you felt very in that <laughs> environment. It was very immersive and you were drawn in immediately. You
2: definitely so, don't uh... want to be on location. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: Right, right. But yeah, we were very impressed.
1: Yeah, All right, cool. Let's, let's do the trailer. All right well Kim, thanks for joining us. Thank you for your report and uh, i'm uh, I'm glad you, you you know you had such a great time and uh, I appreciate your sharing your experiences with us.
0: All right well,
4: thank you for inviting me and I'm gonna stick around and uh, listen to the trailer analysis. I've been dying for this and um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll stay awake as long as I can
1: very good very good all right thanks all right.
3: Kim. All right, take care.
1: Okay. Ready for the trailer? Let's do it. Doom,
0: doom, doom, doom,
3: doom, doom. Can you make it bigger? Any way to make it bigger? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh. yeah.
1: All right, so I'm going to play the uh, trailer through once, and then we will we'll talk our way through it, all right? Sounds good to me.
2: Coolio.
3: <laughs> Come on, fiber optic web stuff.
1: Well, this no, this isn't a web thing. This is all on my hard drive, oh. actually. Oh, it is. Oh, it's on your hard drive. Oh. Yeah. Instead, I just have to actually get quick time to function. Hang on a second. What's going on here?
3: There we go.
0: One day I'll remember Remember everything that happened The good, the bad Those who survived And those that did not Whom is behind The world ahead there are many paths to tread through shadow to the edge of night until the stars are all alight, mist and shadow. Of peace or war All shall fate. I will have war. Shall fate. Fate. Will you follow me one last time?
1: In order not to mess with uh, the audio of the rest of our recording, I've uh, I've disconnected the audio um, so that uh, people who are listening live aren't going to be able to hear the audio for the trailer when we watch it now. But of course, the vast majority of the audio is, uh, you know, Pippin's song in Minas Tirith. So actually, before we... Uh, just, our, you know, talk our way through the visuals of this trailer. Let's talk about that. That's of course one of the things that has, uh, you know, that a lot of people have been talking about about this trailer is the rather unexpected use of Billy Boyd's song uh in this. What did you guys think of that?
2: Well, my first reaction was I really I'm really happy for Billy Boyd. I hope he's getting residuals from it. <laughs> yeah. I have to admit I was thinking that too.
3: <laughs> I am um two things. First of all, we already know, like from the first movie, you know, Jackson used other music for the trailer because Shore's you know, soundtrack wasn't done yet. So my first thought was this is one of those. Second thought being that this this movie, this movie, might be where this song originates. And we may actually end up hearing Bilbo sing it instead of Billy
1: Boyd. Yeah, this is. Uh, uh, I was having a Twitter conversation about this last night. Uh, Doctor Bombay, one of my Twitter followers, was <laughs> suggesting this. That you know, basically, this could th- that we could get that kind of fiction. That that song, you know, it made me think, of course, of the rhyme or of the the line in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, when uh, you know, when they say to Frodo, you know, is that one of uh, uh, you know? He says, you know, it, is that. Uh, 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 you know, is that some of old Bilbo's rhyming or is it one of your imitations? Right. Um, right. And, uh, and you know, so the idea that 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 uh, Pippin at that moment is recycling something that he learned from Bilbo originally um, is, is really an attractive idea. I mean, so, I mean, I think that if they do that, they will get like major, major brownie points for me, I have to say. Yeah.
3: And, and it would make such a subtle connection. You know, yes. not a hit you, not you hit you over the head connection between this and the Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think it is. It's it's fascinating. I mean, the, the and 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 it and it does seem to fit really well. You know, so I mean, the idea. Um, I, I, yeah, I I love it on many levels. You know, the the idea of sort of uh, pointing, even in this kind of. First of all, I love the fact that it would be pointing in this pointing to this sort of multi generational Hobbit connection. Uh, you know, in the way in which Pippin and Merry were really, you know, sort of grew up in awe of Bilbo and kind of, you know, uh, you know with, with you know with Bilbo as sort of one of their heroes, which is clearly true in the books. Um, but the way, but I, I would be even more, um, I would find it even more appealing the way in which the film people would have done that, you know, by retconning basically that like right. the idea that they would, that, that they would retroactively transform an original song from the Lord of the Rings film, uh, into, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of give it in retrospect, that kind of history, um, history. is very Tolkien like.
3: Now I did say in one of my conversations that, um, Peter Jackson's going to have to resist the temptation of now going back and fiddling with Return of the King that when Pippin is singing this song, you know, not putting in flashbacks to the Battle of Fighters.
1: <laughs> right, right. In that right. movie. But no, I think I, I think that that's fine. Because, I mean, I, I think that, that that it works. You know, basically the idea yeah. that this song is then transplanted, you know, it gives it gives a heritage, not just in the sense that he learned it from Bilbo, but the fact that this song was actually inspired by these other events which are parallel right. to that. You know, even the way in which... Um, People, you know, hearing people complain, for instance, as I've heard some people complain that like, oh, like, you know, in The Hobbit, Peter Jackson is just doing it's, you know, like Thorin is like Aragorn all over again. It's like basically the same story and, you know, just kind of rehashed in a different way. And and it's like no, no, it's not the same story. But but yes, there are echoes of it. Like that you know, and that's one of the way in which Tolkien's stories most of Tolkien's stories work. You can see these patterns, you can see these echoes, you know, that you can see these these sort of archetypes uh, you know, functioning right. in this you know, as I've argued before, it works you know many of Tolkien's stories work almost typologically in this way. And um and so the idea that what is confronting Pippin there in Minas Tirith? You know, as he is watching the Dark Lord's armies in advance, and uh, you know, and and the, the the knights of Minas Tirith being sent out in this, you know, in this 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 hopeless charge.
3: And a know, sitting at the at a sitting at the knee of another mad ruler.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, the you know? the way that that is the really subtle way in which that establishes connections between the you know what was happening in the return of the king uh and what happens here at the end of the hobbit i I think it's it's just really really well done um so um so yeah i i just i i i'm hoping well see although again i was going to say i'm hoping that they do keep it for the film in some sense you know that we are going to actually see this and that it's not just uh you know davis you were suggesting a kind of stopgap until our Shore finishes up uh kind of thing um but uh, but then again, I don't even uh, uh, I don't even uh, necessarily need to go there. We still have the trailer, you know, and 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 it's one of the things that I have loved doing in our trailer episodes. I really enjoy. I often have really enjoyed their trailers just as just as little works of art that's, on their own. Yeah, you independent
2: know? works of art. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think that that's it's something that this. Franchise has done really well. is, is generally uh, produce good trailers, and uh, yeah, and I think, I think that I would say, yeah, that I motif is a trailer. The yeah, I sorry, mean, go ahead.
2: Hollywood is Hollywood is better at making trailers than they are at films these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but the the Guardians of the Galaxy trailers are just like, just, man, they are amazing, and I'm pretty sure the movie is not going to be as. Good as the. I'm. I'm. I'm hopeful the movie will be good, but it won't be nearly as good as the trailers.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. no, I think that's it's 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 true. I mean, you know, you you see a lot of sort of trailer cliches, of course, and so sometimes I feel like trailers can be kind of hackneyed. But um but but you're right. I mean, the number of times I've seen you know trailers and then seen a film afterwards, and and did not, you know, did not think that the that the film lived up to the trailer. But it's not even just in the sense that like oh like they put all of the good bits in the trailer and there was really nothing else in the film. Sometimes I felt like that too. But but you're right, Dave. The sense and because the, that is to me the sort of the hidden art of the trailer. Right? Is that if you can mm-hmm. if you can convey a compelling story, you know, if you can really accomplish you know narrative work in a trailer. And really get people interested in the story, um, but often that story that's conveyed in the trailer is conveyed much more effectively than the story in the film. Yep. Yeah. Um. So what else? Okay. Okay. Um, should we
3: have a should we have a disclaimer before going through the visuals that we keep in mind that Jackson does have a tendency to mislead with his trailers?
1: Oh well, yeah. Goodness knows. Just a blanket?
3: Yeah. You know, just a blanket thing here. And, and, you know, so they're making assumptions off of some of this stuff. Some of this stuff might not even show up in the movie.
1: Oh, f- yeah. <laughs> Fool me twice. Shame on me. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> Last year's trailers were an education on that re- in that regard, certainly. I mean... <laughs> Uh in fact yeah I mean based on last year's trailers I'm not even going to believe scenes that I see in four separate trailers because we had <laughs> one of those deleted last that's year right. so that's um right. and again not not e- not even just deleted but unmade I mean that's the th- that's the thing that that I find so amusing about that. and of course I'm referring to the famous Azog jumping up on the parapet snippet that we right. got in every single desolation of Smaug I mean, trailer didn't even have
3: bulk superimposed over azog no and
1: instead we got got that right we got that scene with an empty space you know with like a red shirt (laughs) cg orc jumping over the wall um but of course i recognized the shot you know i recognized (laughs) the, the shot of the wall because i'd seen it with azog in it so many times um so that was really funny. So and 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 again that's not just an instance of a scene from the trailer getting cut and probably not inserted again and you know just kind of ending up on the cutting room floor, right? I mean that was one that was just completely redone. I mean, it was... uh, Well, and
3: then, of course, there's the Thryan jumping down on Gandalf one, which is every every year.
1: Now, see, that one, I assume, just was on the cutting room floor and we'll get it in the extended edition. That, you know, we're never going to see Azog jumping up on the parapet. He doesn't do it. He's not there. They they put him somewhere else in the film. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And
3: then we can always just use the four letters, BOLG, as far as, you know, the original poster slash toy that you now own
1: that's right um, absolutely it
3: has absolutely no you know no no resemblance to the bulb we see now
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly okay so um so let's look at um let's look at the opening here
2: (laughs) so with that out of the way let's proceed to looking at the visual images
1: and um making assumptions and yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely we're not, we're going well as long to be, as
3: we made that disclaimer
1: we're you know. analyzing this as a work on its own so here we go we will see what they are doing here okay so here's our the, our opening scene Bilbo sitting this is, somewhere this
3: is quite controversial this scene actually.
1: that's what I've heard now this is obviously Erebor right we've got these columns here right? right? so I mean he's clearly sitting in Erebor um, oh I thought it was Lothlorian Lothlorian, yeah, it's almost like Lothlorian, but not exactly the same. Um, We've got this shaft of light coming in here. Is this like Thorin's tomb down here?
3: Well, some people have thought that. Pete Richard even said that I guess some folks are claiming there's three bodies, which, you know, would of course probably mean Felix and and Thorin. But I just don't, it doesn't seem, uh, there doesn't seem to be enough bulk there to be a body. I, I just don't think, you know, I will go on record as saying, I think this is Bilbo contemplating the eve of the battle, or or even before the eve of the battle, deciding what to do with the Ark of
1: Stone. That's exactly what I was thinking. This looks more like... uh, I mean, I know that... Because it's misleading, because, of course, the voiceover is retrospective, right? The voiceover is him talking about how he'll always remember. It's obviously something that he speaks after the battle. But... um, all right, we, certainly that's what they're leading us to believe. But I don't think that this visual scene matches that. I don't think this is what Bilbo is thinking at that, you know, that what is being said is what he's thinking at this moment. I, too, Trish, was reading this as Bilbo sitting in Erebor prior to the battle trying to decide right. what to do.
3: And Andrew, somebody somebody in Riddles in the Dark, we had a lot of conversations about this in Rules in the Dark page yesterday, and somebody brought up the really good point of this echoes, the pose in a uh, unexpected journey when he's sitting on the edge of his bed, listening to the dwarf sing.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's it's, interesting. It's
3: really, it recalls that.
1: Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, Andrew Higgins is right. Um, that, uh, the shaft of light shining down does recall Balin's tomb in Moria. And so it's a very natural, I mean, that's what, that's what led me to ask the question initially is this Thorin's tomb that we're seeing back there, because that, that, that certainly does recall that. Um, uh i don't uh you know i'm not sure i don't i don't i i don't think that that's enough to to demonstrate it but it certainly is suggestive in that way but i agree with you this doesn't at the end of the day this thing doesn't look like a tomb it looks like a table Like, can't we see light underneath yeah. it right i mean yeah,
0: sh- yeah.
1: surely they're not going to put uh Thorin on a table right to
2: yeah i also um i bilbo doesn't look post battle to me
3: right he looks, look he, he, so I
0: think
3: he definitely so looks pre-battle.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nervous. Um, he, yeah, you know. he looks contemplative, not sorrowful. Okay. I, I, and and I, I would go so far as to, I would also advance the argument that even if there's still a part of me that wonders if this is post-battle of five armies, but even if it is, I still don't think that thing in the back is a bunch of bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, pretty su- I'm pretty sure there'd be dwar- Like, I think it would just be much bigger and more obvious, and there would be dwarves standing around mourning.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and
2: Also, I'm convinced that Feely's not going to die.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, uh, by the way, uh, just to sort of clarify what's going on here um, the, uh, to, to our to our listeners, I want to make it clear, at least this is my own point of view here. My goal in analyzing the trailer is not to try to guess what's happening in the film. My goal here is to discuss the images that we're actually seeing. Um yes. so I don't want I, I not only do I not uh desire any like insider information myself, I dislike insider information, not only because it's sometimes misleading, but because it completely misses the point. My goal is not just like basically if I had, you know, Peter Jackson here telling me, Well, oh, here's what this scene actually is, um, I'd be a little bit interested in that, but I would s I would I would Still say peter, could you do, let us talk about it first and then and then you know we we'll give you your say um honestly, I feel the same way like when people say when people like want to talk about like oh well, but like in a letter or in an interview, the author said that this is what he was thinking about in this scene, and my response is always well, like that's nice i'm 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 interested a little bit, not always often, but i'm 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 a little bit interested to hear like what the author was thinking of. But that's not my point. My point is what did the author write and uh, and and what does that show us? So so again, please don't misunderstand. The goal here is not just to be like to try to get at the uh, you know some kind of like preview of what's actually in the film. The primary goal is to look at what's here. and so so again, like whatever this actually turns out to be, um, interests me less right now than what is this picture showing us? you know, what kind of conclusions can we draw from this what what? What things can we see and what story does this trailer seem to be telling? Anyway, just wanted to clarify. Okay. Um these benches are kind of interesting too. They look a little bit like, like uh like luggage stands from a hotel, but uh <laughs> they don't look they terribly do. comfortable, do they? I mean no,
2: not made for sitting.
1: No, not I don't think hopping. so. Yeah. Um Huh. Another thing just for
2: the record, um, the pattern in these trailers uh, the the Peter Jackson trailers, is typically if you see a scene and you hear a voiceover, like I feel like ninety percent of the time that the voice you the, the line you're hearing is not from that scene, right. Right. You, you can almo- almost, I would say, almost to the point that you can basically safely assume, if we're hearing a post-Battle of Five Armies line from Bilbo over this scene, then probably this visual <laughs> is not from
1: that. Right, right. It, it, it doesn't quite prove it, but it's strong evidence to the contrary, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, Ian thinks this looks like the most intimidating job interview waiting room in history. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I like, um, I like, uh, Tracy Wayland's idea that, you know, he could be thinking about Smaug attacking Lake town, you know, that, that kind of introspective look that he has of like, his, his posture would seem to, 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 to match the sort of the spirit of the, you know, what have we done, uh, line that he delivered at at the very end of the Desolation of Smaug. Um, and, uh, but, but I, I certainly, you know, he certainly looks sort of stunned here. Um, and uh I think you know uh Chuck Snow is asking what he's what is he looking at to the right there. I don't think anything that's
3: actually a good question I, I had I had originally assumed that he was looking through an opening that that showed out of doors, but now I see over to the right actually it looks like another chamber or something yeah, I think so, he's staring yeah, I, I think at a you're wall right. he's probably just. Yeah. yeah, he's just contemplates inner he's looking inward.
1: He's looking inwards, yeah, which is which is what I, why I find that connection Trish that that you guys were uh pointing to. That that connection between this moment and uh you know the moment when he's listening mm-hmm. to the dwarf song um you know and sitting on, on the edge of his bed is is uh is really um I, I find that a really attractive. He's looking at the green screen. Well, that goes without <laughs> yeah, saying. Yeah. yeah. If, you want, uh, if you
2: want the literal answer to what is he looking
1: at, the answer is nothing. The green screen, right? Of course. Or a tennis ball, or something like that. Or a tennis ball. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that 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 connection is interesting. So, okay, so we fade to black here. We get him very briefly, right?
3: And that's him actually f- completing the statement that he that they were doing as a voiceover.
1: Right. So this mm-hmm. is him actually delivering the speech that...
3: And who do you think he's speaking to? It looks like Thorin, doesn't it? I mean, the hair there? It's hard to say, I suppose. No. Yeah,
2: all yeah, we get no. is it. Yeah. It's, it's hard, hard to to say. I think it's probably Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, I think... they it... having a, a heart-to-heart about... Or so.
3: Radagast...
2: Yes, I think they're having a, they're heart to heart about the you know how sad they are about how things have turned
1: out. Well, the rest of our listeners are being far more intellectual, <laughs> and yes. actually, they're correct. I believe it's Gandalf too. That seems. You think very it's Gandalf, likely. really? It I it just seems think like so. Really
3: dark hair, such dark hair. But it would make sense. That it's that's just a shadow.
1: I mean, you, you can't see it. Yeah. There's, there's no. You're right here.
2: Yeah, and I, I, now I'm starting to think this. Even this speech is. Pre-battle five armies. He just doesn't look like he's been through a battle unless he's had time to wash up. The way
3: the, way, the freeze frame makes him look like he's just gotten up. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> or, or he's and been standing in the Hall H line for thirty-three hours. That's right.
2: I, I guess. I guess. I guess there could be a reason to deliver this speech following Smaug's attack. I mean, I. I have a feeling yeah. he's going to be pretty shaken up by that. Given. Mm-hmm. Given. Given his the last line we're left with at the end of Desolation of Smaug. What well. Have we done? And-
3: and if he is talking to Gandalf, remember later we're going to see Gandalf writing into where they're making preparations in Dale. So Gandalf, so if that's the timeline he's talking to Gandalf, knowing at least there's a battle coming, if not yeah. already Could this occurring. Could
2: be post-Arkenstone betrayal?
3: Mm, good question.
1: Right. Oh, sorry. I accidentally put Dave back <laughs> up here.
3: That was an interesting part of the trailer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah where, do, what, where, where does that happen?
1: <laughs> sorry. Um... I, I a couple people are saying that um are pointing out the lack of a of a of a mithril shirt here. I I'm not sure because in this in the still that we've gotten he's wearing the mithril shirt under this jacket. So and we can't see his front here. He may very well be wearing yeah. it under. I don't I don't think that that's uh that's any clear evidence. Um, that the there's a there's a there's a poster. Trish, could you send me a link of the poster again? We'll, we can sure. put the poster up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the 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 there's a poster of him with the mithril shirt on, um, and, which is clearly post battle, and um, and he's he's he seems to be, as I recall, wearing exactly that this jacket. So right. I don't think that clothing wise, there's any reason to think um, uh, that he's you know you know that this is not at the battle of five armies or near it um,
3: I'll be with you shortly okay yeah
1: no worries um yeah Michael points out he's very clean yeah but that, that but that that just that just means it's not like on the battlefield I mean you know that that they're not standing there panting with orc blood still dripping from them I mean it's um I don't know I mean it, Frankly, if I just heard the line, right, if I don't have any of these visual cues and I'm just hearing that speech by Bilbo, I'm thinking this is a conversation that he has before he leaves the Lonely Mountain to go back home. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that that that's what it sounds like. Yeah, you're right. You're um, right. And, you know, <clears throat> I wouldn't expect him to be wearing the same coat that he wore in the battle. I would have expected somebody to give the poor guy a change of clothes uh, before he left. But... Um, but again, without the visual cues, that's what I would have expected.
2: You're right. I, I think I think I'd be willing to lay money down that that is what it's from. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever we think about the visual cues, it just seems
3: like that's where that line belongs. It
1: it sounds like. Okay. it, yeah. yeah.
3: It's in the ch- the links in the chat box. Okay. There we go. There we go.
1: Yeah. So there's Bilbo wearing this coat and clearly the Mithril shirt underneath. Right. Um. I'm so bad. I
3: swear we've been joking around that he's texting or he's reading his smartphone. I said we should do some kind of we should do some kind of caption where Corey has put a tweet out and he's reading Corey's tweet. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's right. That's
3: right. I mean, I know it's a nightly pose. So the
1: trailer analysis is going on right now. Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. (laughs) And of course, of course, posters even more deceiving. Than yes. The, uh, trailers,
1: yes. Right. No reason to think that something depicted in a poster ever actually occurs in the film.
3: Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I, yeah. Uh, so especially I'm, that one I'm, of Bard facing uh, facing Smaug coming right. down the
1: right. Right.
2: Know. Yeah. I'm um, as we're doing this. I'm, re- I'm I, as we're doing this. I'm also glancing at uh, Brianna's Tumblr, which uh, for our listeners is musings from Brie B R E E dot tumblr dot com, and. I think she makes a good point it's 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 kind of a fool's errand to try and infer the chronology of the film from Bilbo's costume and wardrobe changes yeah yeah yeah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah very, no, I very, agree
2: very fishy business so
1: alright yep okay so from here we got this brief shot of Toriel with men behind her this has to be the ruins of Dale where apparently a lot of the action is happening um, judging from the trailer
3: yep yeah. Actually, you know, I, go back one sec. I don't know if this is Dale, because look behind where all that massive humanity is doing its thing. Doesn't that look like Lake Town buildings? That doesn't look no. like Dale.
1: No, it's today. it's stone. It's made of stone.
3: Oh, okay. All right. I, I mean, I,
1: th- I think the style is supposed to be like Lake Town, or rather that Lake Town is supposed to be, you know, basically the, the poor man's down. version of, of, yeah, of Dale. The, the other thing that's become. interesting
3: is in this particular little short thing, that group of people back there. There's quite a. You can tell there's a noise actually, and they're. I don't know what they're doing, but it looks like it's like a mob almost.
2: I think they're fighting back. Uh, I think they're
3: fighting. Think I can see their are orcs, right
2: orcs back there, and, yeah. and oh, there's okay. dead dudes on the ground there
1: too.
3: Oh um, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I see now that the person's moved out of the way. Oh there's yeah, is, is
1: that a corpse? Yeah. yeah.
3: Looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably. So this is like, like mid-battle or something, right? We're getting a close-up I, Man,
2: i got to tell you, the people we saw in Lake Town in the second film don't look at all like they're going to have any chance against
1: the <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I agree. So this also appears to be Dale and Gandalf riding in. This he, horse, by the way, is available do. for sale if you're... No, sorry. Um, uh, this is <laughs> not actually a commercial for the horse, but... Um, one wonders where did this come from. That they made a big deal out of like keeping the weapons, you know, at this particular place. Did they offload those before the fire? Or,
3: uh... What'd you just ask? What, offload which?
1: The the swords, the weapons. Oh, Remember the, the steel, yeah, yeah. The, the you know the yeah. the the real weapons that the dwarves were <sighs> making a big deal of going to get because they're kept in a that
3: armory. That's and right, locked in and an, and an armory.
1: Equipment. Um, i'm thinking i'm thinking the elves came with uh well i was spot. thinking that too is the only logical solution but I, yeah, well.
3: and with the rack too i mean they actually have a conveniently yeah. you know convenient they have a rack also them.
1: well that is looks newly any... constructed <laughs> sorry, go sorry ahead. Uh,
2: <laughs> is there any can you imagine any way in which additional men show up to bolster this army from anywhere. I don't
3: know where they come from.
1: We haven't received any clear indication that, um, I can't remember any, um, uh, I I, I can't remember any references to other people in the area. No,
3: right. No. I mean, we've had references to the Iron Herald dwarves. We know that Bionwerin's out there somewhere. I mean, it seems like it would have to be some entity that's already been mentioned at least.
1: Right.
2: Just it, it seems like the people we saw in the Desolation of trailer were, one, just, like, looks like they'll just get mowed down by Azog's orcs, and two, it didn't seem like there were that many, and that army marching from Dol Goldor was huge. Yes.
3: Oh, by the way, Michael points out that there's elven guards up on the top of the parapet there. Yeah. Standing guard, apparently. There? You can see, yeah. You can pointy hats and, 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 uh...
1: I don't know. I can't pointy helmets along long
3: shields, huh? I don't know. You know, pointy helmets actually could in, could also be um, well. Yeah, I was going to say
1: they, they would have to be that their... they would have to be pointy, but not too pointy. You know, because <laughs> we like know turrets? who has the monopoly on pointy helmets in this region. <laughs> after all, um, maybe, maybe. Um, I think it's interesting that we're getting this stuff happening in the. Um, uh, uh, that we're getting this stuff happening in Dale, that is in in, in the ruins of Dale, you know, that there's not, I mean, that strikes me as a really interesting choice, you know, rather than having, you know, a camp of tents around the, uh, the gate of the, um, of the mountain. And maybe we will get that. Um, but of course, I mean, it makes sense obviously for them to use the ruins of Dale as a stronghold. Um, it's not that I find that illogical, but I do find it a fascinating kind of symbolic move. Of course, because you remember in the book, one of the one of the things that is such a big factor, certainly for Bilbo, in the converse you know, in in Thorin's rejecting of Bard's, um, you know, claims, is that basically we, you know. The kingdom under the mountain was, you know, the mountain and their and their and their nearby neighbors there at Dale, you know, who were their friends and allies, and 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 you know, when Bard comes and he is the the not only the dragon slayer but the heir of Geryon, um, you know, one of the one, one of the major important things about that moment is Thorin saying. Ah yes, we have restored our kingdom. Ah, and I see that you too are ready to restore your kingdom. Uh, our old friends and allies. Forget you. We're not helping you, and we're not even giving you your own stuff back. Ha ha. I mean, the the <laughs> obvious injustice of what Thorin does to Barthe, which which Bilbo feels very strongly. The injustice of what, um, of what Thorin does. Um, that that that's a really big deal. So the the film, I. I what I'm seeing here anyway is sort of a more clear reminder of that. You know, we're, this is this is Bard is returning to Dale here. You know, the the, right. the people of the lake are moving back into Dale. Um right. and you know, so the fact that the 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 battle of three armies that may or may not break out, um that in the book almost breaks out or begins to break out is very clearly Dale, you know, Dale restored fighting against the Mountain restored. Um, and, and that this, so, so the fact that they're using Dale as their home base really seems to me to, to, to really spotlight that, um, really poignantly, at least potentially.
3: You know, two things about this scene, actually D may brings up a good point. She says all this preparation to take out 13 dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> but the second is, is I'm wondering if this, obviously this is during the siege, right? You said like the battle of three armies. It may very well be that Gandalf... and I, You know, I've had kind of a fixation on who's going to be the emissary telling them that the orcs are coming. This could be it. This could be Gandalf, you know, writing in right. to tell them that the orcs are Gandalf
1: rides are in and says, yeah, hey, there's a there's a big old bunch of orcs coming.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
3: But yeah, they are, you know, they are really getting awfully prepared to take out 13 dwarves. But I guess, you know, if they're behind that mountain with all that stone there, I guess... Well, maybe...
1: and, and and they would have to be anticipating... I mean they know that there there may or may not be other 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 humans in the region that could join in and help, but they know for a fact there are other dwarves in the region. So um, oh, that's true, yeah, You know, the true. anticipation of, of, of Dan coming seems not uh, not impossible.
3: And I'm wondering if this is probably post the scene we'll see later with Bart asking if he wants war or peace and Thor saying war. I'm thinking this scene is probably after that conversation.
1: Um, We'd, yeah, maybe, hard to say. maybe, hard, yeah. To say, hard to say, but yeah, maybe <laughs> Ian says they've just been attracted by a dragon. So they're probably a bit nervy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it's true. You know, that I really, that really kind of set anybody on their guard. Really. I have to say it's a little hard to relax after that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, so we, we, we cut directly from Gandalf arriving at the camp to whoosh, uh, I and Smaug going through Lake town. doing
3: exactly
1: what he That's really awesome.
3: I love this. I love that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. It is
2: it is awesome, but he's flying way too close to that water.
1: Yeah. 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 It's uh I'm going to be really interested to see how they do that. I mean, it's one of those things that I um just thinking of the, the this the the pure abstract question of how do you effectively translate something from from print to visual medium and the dynamics of the battle you know what we are told about because in in the book you can just tell us that you know uh, you know the, the business the stuff that the narrator does tell us about how you know that the lake would uh, you know the lake is even stronger than he you know the whole fire versus water thing the way that it's characterized is that kind of an elemental struggle um you know, the narrator can just give us that in the book and, and and sort of contextualize it for us in that way. You can't do that in this. You know, it's... it's. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? What, you know, how are we going to be prompted to view this battle? I
2: think will have an on-screen character shouting, I think the lake is stronger than the dragon. <laughs>
1: That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be <laughs> awful, but one way to do it. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Um Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly like how really bad adaptations do it. And one reason why, by the way, you know, as we've said many, you know, a good example of what we've said many times before. If you just take a book and try to use the printed, you know, book as like a screenplay and just put it on screen, it's almost always a terrible movie. Um, And and that's 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 a perfect (laughs) illustration of that. You can't you know, you can't just give us a voiceover of that and it's not going to have the same effect um but yeah yeah michael says it looks as though smaug is torching the lake as much of the house as much as the houses yes that's what i really liked about this shot i mean of course it's like the most efficient way rather than just breathing water on the houses themselves like across the roofs which might deflect the flames you know he breathes along the surface of the lake thereby like you know having the flames Leap outward and up into the windows and doorways and underneath the porches and stuff. So I mean, it it seems not only a more effective way of lighting both sides of the street on fire, um, but but Michael, I was thinking of the same thing too. That it, uh, it it does. It's almost as if what he's really attacking is is the lake there. I think that's really interesting. Like I said I'll be very interested to see you know how they how they play it again. Not just what happens and who dies, but um, you know how we are how we are. Brought to 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 perceive this Mm -hmm. struggle. Um,
3: They didn't do a lot with. They did this in the aftermath. They didn't really spend a lot of time on the dragon's attack. No. uh, Teaser.
1: No. Yeah, I think that's the only one we get of the of Lake Town.
3: Now I have a confession to make here. When I first saw this, I was like, "Is that the dragon skeleton?" (laughs) right like his wings on either side and i'm like oh no 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 there's a rudder right there so those are boats yeah
1: yeah this of course you know it's a little (laughs) bit unfair we're like freezing at almost every frame so of course in the trailer we're still at 24 seconds total and i mean these these flash by (laughs) uh in yeah i mean this that shot lasts for two seconds you know on screen this one um so yeah, I, I I I I didn't even notice. All I saw was Legos and Toriel the first time. The second time I saw the people behind them, I didn't I didn't even see the smoldering see, ruins of Lake, lake Town until uh, until I froze it. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is clearly the refugee camp um, of the Lake Men outside, and the fact that Legos is there. There's Legos and Toriel. Yeah, this,
3: this is interesting. Actually, so that's this is something that we've been trying to figure out where the heck... So, you know, does he come back? Oh, Lost Bulg in the wilderness came back. I mean, you know... Apparently. Well, so this is post-dragon attack, so it'll be interesting to see where he's at. Yeah. I'm assuming the dragon attack is what brings him back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pete
3: just said that very same thing. You know, he probably sees the dragon attacking and comes back.
1: Right, probably. Um, yeah, probably. Um, I
3: think the...
2: the... The dragon is going to do like a like a flyby buzz of uh, Legolas. He's going to be riding along, and then the dragon's is going to <laughs> fly over him and blow his hair back and burn his horse
3: off. out from under him.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it but it's very interesting. It's sort of. A... I mean, it, it does kind of... It'll be interesting to see how they do that so it doesn't seem stupid that he's just kind of riding back and forth and back and forth and doesn't know what he's yeah. doing, where he's going, what, you know I mean? It, like, why on earth would they bother to show us him riding out of Lake Town only to have him turn right around and come right back?
1: Yeah, I don't understand what the story is there either, but I agree with you. I'll be disappointed if there isn't one. Um, you know, something is going to need to happen with Legolas before he turns back, I think. Right. I mean,
2: it's not hard. To, right. It's not hard to believe that he would, because Tariel is still back in Lake Town, mm-hmm. and if the dragon's attacking, it's not hard to understand how he'd be like, "Oh, never mind. Got to go back for her." But
1: the one idea I have I don't there. I do it lazily. Yeah, I mean, the the one idea I that I have there is 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 not that something necessarily needs to happen, but that um, basically it could be presented as a as a a, a, a crisis decision for him. You know, basically, he 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 has to choose. On the one hand, there's this there's this orc leader galloping off, and he should find out what they're doing so that he can warn his father and whatnot. Um, but then, at the same time, there's uh, evidence of a dragon attacking the town in which Toriel is. Um, you know, so which what thing does he do? Um, you know, maybe there could be some kind of you know it could be presented as some kind of uh, 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 choice there um, and DMAS uh, Legolas presumably does still have Orcrest at this point so
3: by the way I just want to point out that Legolas of the never never empty quiver has an empty quiver in this photo so if he shows up with, Bo- with, with arrows again in his quiver after this scene <laughs> be like, okay what is the deal here is this they're not like,
1: like blending in quiver? with his hair here are they his arrows?
3: I, I can well maybe, maybe maybe there are. Yeah, it's hard it's it's so hard to tell. I'll have to look at the HD.
1: Maybe itself. he has blonde there, well. camouflage arrows. You know, that's, that's <laughs> And by the possibly. way, Tariel
3: is also holding a bow.
1: Yes. Yes, it would seem to be. Okay. All right. So we have the refugee camp. But by the way, this of course confirms what of course we figured would be the Case that we're going to have elves on the scene. And now the question is going to be, are we going to get Legolas saying, I got to communicate with my father, we should help these people. And that's what leads that to happen. You know, back to the question of, right. do the elves end up actually coming to the relief of the of the Lakemen? And right. if so, under what circumstances? Also this.
3: one wonders where the four dwarves have gone to. You know, I mean, we know they're going to show up in Erebor, but yeah, th- at this point in time it's going to be interesting to see. I have where a they
1: theory. Are. We'll get to them later. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so now we begin Pippin's song and uh, we have who?
3: I assume they're on their way to Dale. I was thinking this is the Laketown people on their way to Dale. Laketown people yeah, on their way like, to Dale. Looks like cuz rep- they're moving they're moving from left to right on the screen.
1: Yeah. And this, of course, is the same hilltop over which the Dwarven refugees were going in the other direction at the mm-hmm. beginning of the first film. Oh, that's right. That's right. Right? Um, so we have some some, some lovely and apparently deliberate um, parallelism there.
2: This time the elves will actually help.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um yeah, so that's uh, that's that is interesting. Um, Lake Town still smoldering, off in the distance there. Okay, all right now.
3: This was this scene. I was like, "Why did we have this in the scene?" I mean, uh, in the excuse just, me,
1: was... count dwarves.
3: Oh, for dwarves, of course.
1: This looks he's like Owen. That looks right. like Feely. Yes. This looks like Kiwi, and I'm willing to believe Owen that's like Bofer. I don't see Bofer's hat Owens unless that's Bofer. No, that's Bofer's hat right there. So this has to be. And
3: Owen's in the front.
1: Owen's right? in the front. Yeah, with the that's whiter Keely hair and beard. Second.
3: Okay. Is okay. Okay. Second? okay. Thank you. Thank you. This is why I have to have Corey explain these. I'm things. I'm thinking. I, just...
1: see, I say yeah. I'm thinking this is the other four dwarves arriving at the mountain, right?
3: Arriving. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking.
3: So, so then it's like, oh, Lake Town's in ruins. Dragon's Den. Let's get the heck out of here and get to airport.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Kiwi was like, "Yeah, I heard this was a nice place. Let's fix it up." So this Sorry, is
3: Sorry, Daryl, I'm out of here. Yeah. I now I'm assuming that they're probably lifting this to to uh use for defense, right? They're putting their battlements in place.
1: Well, again, knowing it. knowing the story from the book, it would certainly seem to suggest, uh, yeah, like the uh, fortification of the mountain, Right. that they're not going right. to be just doing, in, you know, interior decoration at this point. Like this really looked much better upright. Let's put it, you know. So I, I suspect uh, not. As uh, Michael points out, Kiwi is wearing mail, but not the plate armor we see later. Um, uh, who's who's does anyone, who's this? Does anyone remember those uh, those little mittens there? That uh, whoever's.
3: Dwallin, maybe? Was it Dwallin? And that's
1: Bomber right there, carrying a big rock.
3: Because it seemed like Dwallin had those kind of mittens.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have a vague memory of seeing them before, but but I can't remember. Um, Yeah. uh, Dime and Michael uh, Cheskovsky are both saying uh, Ori. Ah. Yeah, Michael. Valenti says that uh Dwalin has brass knuckles. So yeah, 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 yeah. that's that's uh, yeah. Um and and Gabrielle, you are right. We've got more dwarf statues. Now I could I could I could excuse them for redecorating if this I mean, obviously the visual significance of this in the trailer is the restoration of the dwarven king to his rightful place kind of thing that we're getting here, right? With like, let us let us put upright the statue, you know, the great statue mm-hmm. here again. Um so we get here a kind of we seem to be being given a glimpse of, you know, sort of dwarven reconstruction, though again, if this is in fact the uh you know the 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 part of their defense of Erebor, um we have uh um you know th- the same kind of irony that we have in the book, right? With uh, you know the restoration of the kingdom and yet not acting anything like you know, the actual kingdom. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, it would be interesting to, uh, to, to see that. So, um, let me see. Oh, yes, I agree. Uh, Serena has sent me a link, uh, to a picture of Ori, which does, uh, those do look like Ori's gloves. So, yeah, I think, uh, this, this 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 one is, is probably Ori. And there's also kind names. of a cow neck
3: there, too, that I think that Ori usually yeah. wears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cow neckline.
1: Yeah, okay. And then a very brief glimpse of Bard looking off into the sunlight. Now, again, notice the juxtaposition here, right? We've got the two, like, two of the youngest dwarves pushing to reestablish, like, this ancient statue of you know, the Dwarven warriors of old, right? So we've got the the young generation reestablishing the honor of the Dwarven kingdom of Erebor, you know, through their presence and their return to the mountain. And then you've got the heir of Geryon standing, what again, what seems to be in the ruins of Dale, staring off into, I'm going to call it the rising sun, um, you know, uh, I so... Who's
3: around him. Does it look like his kids might be around him? We see a top of a head and, you know, there's a short, shorter...
1: Could this be, uh, like, email, a, a, a be like a daughter and, here, and maybe? That's
3: what I was thinking.
1: Maybe
3: a daughter and a daughter and a son, perhaps. So yeah. Had dark hair we do
1: have three girls. heads there, so yeah. yeah. Possibly. I just that. So yeah, so I you know th- this is an interesting uh, mm-hmm. composition. I think with those two, and there seems to be no other point to this shot other than to parallel it, you know, with this one, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting. Then we get. Thranduil among the corpses.
3: Elves and men.
1: Uh, yep, that looks like an elf corpse so there. It's an
3: elf, and then the other one to the left is, an, is a man corpse. Yeah,
1: clearly. clearly. And again, I assume this is Dale. Mm-hmm. Uh, both by the architecture and by the fact that it's snowing.
3: Now, does he have two swords? Has he got two things? Like, you know, like Legolas has those two
1: Yeah, he seems to have something in his left hand there, there as well, yeah. Thranduil ah. alone. Why is Thranduil alone? I don't know. This oh. is a it's an issue again, and this is exactly the kind of thing where, you know, you don't we we don't want to try to be reconstructing too much of the plot just from looking at this because we yeah. don't really know. But, um, yeah, Michael uh, and Dime, uh, Michael Valenti and uh, Dime and Ian are all pointing out the deer statue, but we've got a white deer statue behind him here. I was noticing that too. Um, that seems to be a, a that's, that's a really interesting snapshot. The deer seems to be saying it's over there. Um, but I don't know. Um, the imagery there I think is fascinating.
3: Um my first take when I first looked at this scene and you know, I'm going to probably now do what you just said we shouldn't do, but (laughs) I I definitely felt like there was a little bit I mean, he looks like he's being vigilant. So perhaps that's what it is. You know, he's like, like walking to see if there's any other enemy around, but it also seemed, um, I don't know. sad's not really the word, but kind of ruminating, you know, kind of, I don't know, but it's such a short scene that, I'm probably reading way too much into it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pensive. I mean,
3: Pensive. That's it. Pensive.
1: Yeah. It could, it could just be like wary and ready to be attacked, but, yeah. but it, it's, it's, it's a curious kind of thing does this suggest oh I mean again here I am talking about larger plot does this suggest he's late to the battle why 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 is the Elven King by himself like ever why is he ever by himself under any circumstances yeah, that's um, good point. has he arrived late to the battle has he has is he you know why is he going in a place where he appears to look like he's waiting to be ambushed um, it, it, I, I'm just I'm this this scene I find puzzling. Um, in this way.
3: I mean, we do see him wielding his two swords in a whirling dervish fight a little later, and I yeah. wonder if that's at all connected to this scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. I, I mean, I would think it is, but you know, well, we, we can we can compare when we um, when we see it. By the way, um, Jonathan Harder has made an excellent observation that uh, this uh, this moment um, is an echo of Thorne looking into a, into the rising sun in the second movie. The whole. <sighs> Return of the King, uh, yeah. you know, motif all over again. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Very interesting. Okay, now we get as Sarah also, Lagarde you points we out, the
3: dwarf, the dwarf man, elf. Yeah. Scene.
1: Yes. You know. Right. Exactly. You've got right. Um, you know, heir to kings, uh, king to be, king that is. Right. Um, <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, 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 that is, that is interesting. Now we get, as Sarah Lagarde points out, uh, an allusion to the Mirror of Galadriel Mirror scene, Galadriel scene. Uh, yeah, you know, the famous Kate Blanchett's feet shot uh, there. Could um, be feet double, could be feet double. <laughs> could be a foot, double, foot double, right? Yeah, How sure. awesome <laughs> would that be for your resume? I was Kate Blanchett's foot double in the <laughs> Galadriel scene. Um yeah. Um we also, uh, as Serena Higgins points out with what I infer to be relief, not a cat suit that Goadrio is wearing, so uh that's uh that's something. Um uh, and of course, I think it, just going back to the foot scene here for a second, um, I, we get here what seems to me to be a, a poignant contrast. Right, this is it's not only it's not only a recollection, but of course, instead of her, you know, treading the soft lawns of Lothlorien and the, you know the gentle stone steps leading down to her mirror, you know, and 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 her fountain, you know, we get her going across the 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 you know the rough and painful terrain of Dol Guldur. Um,
3: there could be beer bottle glass there, you know. I mean, there yeah. could be all kinds of stuff. You got
1: to be careful. There, there, there should be like a "do not attempt," uh, uh, you know, warning that's for right. this. You know?
3: Oh, yeah, that's true. Right.
1: Now, this, of course, is a scene which has caused much controversy. um uh
3: Oh, I know. This There's is the a o- lot of speculation about this scene.
1: This is the only shot that we get of Goandriel, other than the previous foot shot, uh, and the you know, and and the only shot of Gandalf and Dol In fact, this is like the only Dol shot we get in this trailer, yeah. isn't it?
3: <clears throat> yep.
2: Yep. And as far as we can tell, we have no idea what's happened. It yes. looks
3: like it looks like Gandalf
2: could be dead or taking a nap.
1: Right, right.
3: Other or, than well, I kind of inferred this is right after they freed him from being you know slapped up against the wall.
1: Um, right, right. Um, I mean, I uh, I'm going to go on record with suspecting that Gandalf does not in fact die. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I think his death is unlikely. I really do, and. um I don't think we are getting Arrow a shot
0: bringing him back twice. Yeah, no,
1: I don't think so. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that 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 clearly this is. Um,
3: <laughs> Matthew says Gandalf the darker gray coming
1: <laughs> so, the, off the That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know he's getting promoted in stages. You know, you can't just expect to flip right from from gray to white. You know, you gotta. You know he's he's going to be he, that's why at the beginning of the film uh, the, of the Fellowship of the Ring film he's more Gandalf the off white rather than Gandalf the fully gray, um, yeah no I mean I think that this is clearly this is I mean, he seems to be you know in need of of healing it's easy for me to imagine that he's you know beat up and battered and he's restored by Galadriel to you know to to to, to health um, after this you know so. So, yes. Yes, Pete, I think she's kissing it and making it better. That's precisely what I believe (laughs) is going on there.
3: Now, we do know from the panel that Gladrill definitely gets her battle on at at Doggledor. I mean, Mm -hmm. apparently she brings it to and They didn't really come out and say it, I don't think, but I definitely came up with the impression that she's kind of a main force in terms of quote-unquote defeating Sauron.
1: Yeah. Yep, that certainly looks so... uh, uh, Michael's Valenti is suggesting that she's crying. Um, she certainly looks, well, it's hard to say. We only get a little bit. Her feet hurt. Yeah, yeah, she's like, ow! <laughs> there was some broken glass back there. Um, yeah, no, I, it's hard to say. You yeah. know, I mean, from the one second in which she is clearly on the screen. ground. right? I, yeah. Uh, it's a little hard to conclude that. I, um,
2: you know, uh, can I just say I don't understand the tr- the decision to portray her as kind of a barefoot, tree hugging, sort of hippie elf, wandering around like wearing like a nightgown or a dress to a battle, barefoot. She's she's Noldor. <laughs> oh,
1: yes, no. <laughs> it's true, it's true. But I'm I'm um, I'm 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 hopeful. I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that this means she's going to, she's going to sing. I, am I'm, I'm uh, you know, yeah. yeah. I think the odds of her singing are going to be very much greater than, uh, than otherwise if she's dressed like this. Um, so yeah I, I like it. <clears throat> I like it. Serena says that you know the dress and the barefoot stuff shows her unearthly power. Unearthly is exactly what I was thinking of. She's one of the she's one of the only elves certainly in Jackson's depiction that has that kind of fairy quality. Um
3: yeah. That supernatural.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um and I think that that's um I think I I like that. I I think that that's a really good thing. Um so, so yeah, I yeah. think that's
2: I think that's fair, but it I I, I feel like it's I, th- I think there's there would be ways to do that without it looking kind of silly. This kind of looks
1: a little silly. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I, I, I I'm 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 going to suspend that. Um, uh, but I tell um, you,
3: if Jackson does even any singing as part of. Doing battle with Sauron, I'm going to be impressed because yep. up to this point, I have considered him to be very much a, you know, rock 'em sock 'em action battle kind of movie maker. So I've, I've got my fingers crossed. We're going to at least see I, something. I, I agree
2: with I agree with Michael Valenti. Um, uh, um, you know that 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 they do they are sort of providing us with a contrast between mm-hmm. the different kinds of elves, and I guess we do have a lot of armored elves riding around, especially Elrond. I I just think. Personally, I think probably Elrond should be the slightly more hippie guy, and I don't know. I guess I don't know. It's just that, and, and you know what this really what this really gets at, Corey, is, is um, the sort of multiple versions of Galadriel. I guess Galadriel 1.0 from Lord of the Rings is kind of a ethereal, sort of mysterious, you know, like a tree being. It's the Silmarillion and later versions of her where she becomes the, the you know, kind of the more classic Noldor elf.
0: Right. I just right.
2: I just I just think back to when I think of her as Noldor. I think back to I'm pretty sure there's multiple occasions in the Silmarillion where the Noldor make fun of the other elves for being <laughs> sort of these wimpy tree elves. Right? <laughs> You're off running around through the woods barefoot, and meantime, we're the ones riding around on horses with armor and swords defending you.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it's because of the so- the swords of the Noldor and whatever. But yeah, um yeah, I um I think that, um, but see, to me, the reason that I like it is that it is, to me, the antidote um, to the complaint that many have voiced, that, you know, Peter Jackson depicts elves as as if they were just, like, mega ninja super warriors, um... And that there's more to Elves than that. Well, we he tries to show that. You know, I mean, I think that... I've always thought that was a little bit unfair. Um, yes, he depicts the Elves as being, you know, su- superiorly powerful in battle and makes Legolas do some improbable things. But that's not all that Elves... You know, that's not all that he does with Elves. Um, he does tend to, to kind of pigeonhole particular individuals, particular characters. Um, there's never much that's very ethereal about Legolas, for instance. But we do get, you know, he does tr- he does give some glimpses of things where we do get more of that, you know, that 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 you know that fairy, you know, that F A E R I E element um, of Tolkien's elves. We do, you know, he. Peter Jackson, I think, has at least attempted to capture that at several points in his films. Thinking of the Lord of the Rings film, certainly we got it in the in the you know the elven procession to the havens that that Frodo and Sam see. We see it in Rivendell in places. We see it certainly in Galadriel. Um and you know I just think that uh, you know he does kind of separate it because again it's really challenging if they look too ethereal and weird in like a normal battle line it's going to just be really dumb looking um so like when they're in battle they're like super warrior ninja warrior ninjas and and when and so goadriel she does it uh, um she does it she does it otherwise and let's hope she sings instead of uh, um instead of uh Wielding her sword. Not that I object. I mean, we've talked about this several right. times before, and I would not object if if, if had shown up in armor with a sword. I, I would have, Dave, for exactly the reasons that you're saying. She's a noldo, right? That's what they do. I would have been perfectly comfortable with that. Um, but but I but I will say I like it. I mean, I, I like the the you know the maintaining of the fairy element, and I'll like it even more if she actually just combats uh Sauron and song. Cool. Yeah. Um That's We still have people voting for the fact that she's grieving here um and that this is actually sort of a resuscitation of Gandalf, that he's at least mostly dead, if not actually dead. We'll see. I mean he's certainly made to look real corpse like here, but again, gonna go on record as arguing that he doesn't die. Um, no,
3: there is, do we have the four dwarves again? Oh yeah, there they are.
1: The now we got another one down again. here, so we, we've we've oh, we've rejoined okay. them. We've got. Are we looking down at? That's not Thorin, is it?
3: Is that Thorin? Looks like it might be. It
1: looks like a look like red hair. Gold. I don't know. But yeah, we've got like a we've got like a peanut. You know, we've got you know Stetler and Waldorf and friends up here, uh, <laughs> shouting down sarcastic commentary to coming whoever. up on
3: Thorin in his in his gold room.
1: Right. Right. But, I mean, there is the... They're looking
3: for the Arkenstone.
2: Yeah, I think they're spawning the Arkenstone. Right, exactly.
1: Look to the left! No,
3: no, 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 to the left.
1: No, my left! Yes, exactly. Oh,
3: no, that was just a diamond, sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, if they are searching for the Arkenstone, then uh we certainly then it certainly seems like well they might not have it but we'll have to see again it's hard to say where in the sequence this follows um and i'm interested in the juxtapositions here so right so we've got we've got the king sequence right then we've got goadriel rescuing gandalf and then back in the mountain and then thorin looking dodgy looking shifty yeah yeah very shifty um I wonder, you know, sort of the parallel between Gandalf and Thorin here. That is, Gandalf needing rescuing and and the, you know, the, like, angelic figure in white coming to rescue him. And Thorin needing rescuing of a different kind. You know, not... he's not, like, looking like a corpse, but he is looking a little crazy. Um...
3: You know, I'm not getting I'm still not getting Dragon sickness though. We can talk about that yeah. in the next when he's confronting Bard. I'm still not getting I'm getting angry, petulant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, but not Well, I yeah, I still think it's going to be um I'll be disappointed if they just make him go batty. You know, I mean if if he just yeah. is like, "Oh, yep, well, there's the congenital madness in the in line coming out again," right? Um I'll be uh, I'll be I'll be a little surprised if that's
3: maybe what we'll see is just a magnification of those qualities we've already seen in him that impulsive, mm-hmm. reckless, prideful kind of thing we've seen already. Maybe that just gets magnified. I mean, that to me would be probably more believable. Yeah. Than having him just go off the edge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kate says he looks almost heartbroken here. Um, yeah.
3: A... <laughs> I, never, I didn't notice his shift in his eyes until you did.
1: So you started to do that mm. yeah yeah exactly but he does I mean his facial expression it, he looks like haunted possibly betrayed you know I mean this is not this is not just a like maliciously devious look or something like that you know this is a guy who's going through some stuff you know he's 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 struggling and then we get to me the feely. The fascinating really? thing about this shot, right, is not just the dwarves in armor marching out and Beaufort, as Dave I think has pointed out, <laughs> retaining his floppy hat <laughs> even in full armor, um, but uh, the the sort of the tableau of Thorin over here and Bilbo over here, right? Mm-hmm. We've got Thorin in full armor, you know, looking every inch the king of the dwarves, staring across at Bilbo, looking maximally. Uh,
3: uncomfortable.
1: Help, yeah, uncomfortable, wimpy, and helpless, right? Yes. Um, And just the way that this is set up, with the two of them staring at each other across, you know, like... And and, and notice the light, right? We've got Thorin in the shadows with the glint of gold and Bilbo in the white light, and, and, and the white light shining from Bilbo's side on, you know, on uh, Feely and Keeley and, and Bofor as they go through, right? Um. So you know, the way that this would it's set up to look almost like a a you know a a good side evil side you know mm-hmm. and and all of the rest of the company walking between them like they have yet to choose you know which direction they're going to be going um I think is is uh is I, this this is one of my favorite shots as far as just like the the sort of the construction of the shot
0: imagery, yeah
1: yeah um yeah and several people are pointing out uh, uh, um this seems to be the mithril shirt yes uh, that he's wearing yes he's
3: put on over top of his hobbit shirt which is
1: right <laughs> right and he looks pretty dorky in it which is great he he's supposed to look dorky in it so that's, that's right. that all that all fits really well um yeah yeah um
3: by the way one point um that Michael's making maybe Thorne suspects Bilbo has the Arkistone, Stone but it, him saying that just reminded me I mean at what point in the book does Bilbo decamp and go down to the men and elves is it is it after they've mustered like this
1: well the, yeah they've been like in arms and guarding the wall and everything oh, okay. so right. presumably oh yeah I wrong. mean and the actual arming of their putting on armor happens on that first day when they're down there right? right and they, they put on That's the right. armor and at the same time they stuff their pockets with gems um right but um, but this so is this not just an arming. Fire. I mean, this is a this is a this is a purposeful marching out. I mean, notice Felix has got a, a helmet under his yeah. under his under his, his you know his his arm there. Um, so this is not just a like we are walking around and happen to be wearing armor. This is a we are marching to war scene. Right. Clearly, so um, that's why
3: I'm wondering yep. where Bilbo's at with <laughs> regard to the Arkenstone at this point. Yeah, has he you know has he taken it and come back? Or does he still have it? I don't know. Hard to say. Fashion yeah. parade yeah. <laughs> having a fashion parade. Uh, and now we have. To, right. I think. I
2: think this is probably. It's probably
1: pre. Pre. Pre taking out the Arkansas Yeah, I mean this. Yeah. This. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I would. I would think so. I would think that it it's is. Okay
2: because ultimately the decision to hand it over is an attempt to avert a war right. and a coming
3: battle. Yeah. Right. So Which would make sense that he, this, is, this is like
1: this is I mean, like even his the defining moment leader. when yeah, Bilbo exactly. decides to
3: he goes, oh my gosh, something has to be done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the word defining just came to me. I don't really <laughs> know where that came from. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um. Okay, so you know, this is, a weird one. I is it just it me or, or, or are are Legos' eyes less blue than they were? Oh, before? Oh, they're just
3: silver. They look silver, don't they? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think they're toning they do down do. the blue, which is good because this it was is like wow. that
3: still. Remember how the still photo yeah. was with them looking at each other, and I said, I said. You know, my caption should be barred saying, Are you wearing contacts? Baby? Right. How do you get your eyes to do that?
1: Exactly. <laughs> they were like smurf blue in that still. I mean, that was, that was, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, we get here Legos even more briefly than we got Goadrial, oh, oh. but.
3: My, my fun scene's coming up.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um.
3: Yeah, I couldn't figure out what this was doing here. I mean, what, I can't remember what the voiceover was at this point, or if there was one. Oh,
1: we're the still, song was still being we're still sung, singing, wasn't it? yeah. But but yeah. we have ah um, uh, okay. So and, you know, Let's we've see. got we've got Bilbo versus Thorin and the dwarves marching to war, and then on the other side of the break, we've got Legolas just, and a Bard a I hear, in the camp. Your
3: dwarves feet marching.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Notice the background. They're in trees here, so they're not in Dale yet. This must still be in the refugee camp, not the battle camp.
3: Right. That's right. Um,
1: So, uh, this suggests the beginning of their um, of their uh, uh, partnership, you know, alliance, the the formation of the of the you know, Elvish human alliance here.
3: Plus we have, uh, instead of, uh, I mean, he may still have a quiver on, but he, we see one of his uh, dual knives there right, right behind Regulus's yeah. ear. Yep, yeah. But not wearing armor, so, right, you
1: know, Right, probably. yeah, he's not dressed for battle yet. So, you know, no, that's presumably early. But again, so I think what, what we're getting here is the combination of, like, the dwarves marching wow. for war, and yet we see the tension that still exists there within the dwarf camp, and then we see the other side, you know sort of forming but i think the fact that the shot that they the one second shot they've given us here is of legolas turning away is kind of interesting i don't i don't know what to make of that yeah. you know i mean he it's you you could just see it as like you know he's looking off into the distance and kind of up so is this like him looking over at the mountain so you know bard legolas let's go to the mountain kind of you know I mean, is, is that the the sort of the sense I'm of it there
3: they're thinking thinking he hears his father
1: he hears arriving. his father arriving <laughs> oh crap it's dad yeah yeah um <laughs> dad yeah I don't know um right then we get so now but, but now following from this so again here we got Legos and Bard and then we have Bard coming down and he's still in his in his Lake Town you know he's, he's not in armor either right he still is wearing the same coat that he was wearing in Lake Town um which apparently he swam in which seems improbable. Can you imagine how heavy right. that coat would get under water? Wow. Um, goodness. But anyway, or maybe he escapes on a boat. Oh, let's not think about that. I hope if, 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 if Bard doesn't out, swim to safety, I'm going to be disappointed. But anyway. I
3: wanted to point out that one of the elves, right about... Right about um, bar it's like one o'clock Is actually holding a tree
1: <laughs> Wait, this, or it looks like it's actually growing out of this yeah you know, they put the one yeah. with a really big helmet in back you know because they're like man we can't see anything with that dude in front uh <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and this, and it looks like we have a, a gallery. Uh, these are like yeah. the women of Lake Town. I'm guessing yeah, it I looks like to Lake yeah. Town people there spectating this and looking at like the Elvish army showing up. Right, this parapet, as uh, Michael Valenti says, looks like the 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 parapet that we were debating whether there were elves on top of or not in Dale when Gandalf was riding in earlier on. So
3: this might be the courtyard where they've been preparing when they were preparing when Gandalf rides in.
1: Yeah, it could be. Now what I'm getting... I'm guessing here, since we're getting Bard still clearly walking down unfamiliarly to the elves, and they have apparently just shown up still in formation, unless they stand that way all the time, um, <laughs> what I'm... What I would presume that this means is that we've got the refugees of Laketown returning to Dale prior to the elves showing up in force. And that Strikes me as a really interesting choice too. So that again, that reinforcing that um, that sense of the, the response of the people of Lake Town to the destruction of their town by Smaug is to return to Dale. Right. Um, now, of course, this is very practical, obviously, as they're going to rec- they're going to be able to get more shelter uh, from. The ruins of stone buildings than from the smoldering ruins of a wooden structure in the middle of a, of a lake. So obviously they're gonna, you know, it's gonna be easier for them in all practical ways to survive up in Dale. Um, but, uh, but, but nevertheless, again, sort of symbolically, the the visual effect of them returning to Dale um, is, I think, uh, uh, pretty significant. Yeah. Chris is asking, "Is this the Elvish vanguard turning up and Bard meeting them before Thranduil turns up with the main force? Something like that? I mean, it would seem to be. I, I take this to be the elves just arriving. Um, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: Do um, I really? This scene, this scene, especially the next shot, um, right. where he walks down and then they open open ranks." It really kind of gives me the impression of deference to a commander. Um, yes.
3: I, I, you know, Ed Powell and I talked about this yesterday. And and I mean, I, for, I was saying, you know, that's what everybody's kind of been saying. Oh, well, he's obviously commanding the elves. <laughs> but he looks so surprised Yes. to see them separate like this. Ed actually brought up the point of saying, hey, you know, they could be doing this out of respect that he killed the dragon. It could just be a salute of respect to him as the hero who killed the dragon? And I said, "Well, that's that's as believable as anything."
1: I agree, and he's clearly well, not commanding them in the sense that he's walked down the stairs to give them orders. He's obviously surprised, but I don't think yeah. that that changes. I, I don't think that that necessarily undermines the fact. No, Remember, never. one of our questions is who's going to be the battle leader? Is it going to be Bard or is it right. going to be Thranduil? Um, and right. this does suggest a level of deference for Bard that I wasn't assume I wasn't taking for granted. Um, right.
3: and, and also, the interesting part is here is he's kind of taken by surprise. I mean, I, his surprise doesn't mean he's not going to go forward and lead them. It's just maybe at this point in time, you know, it's not a solidified thing in his head yet. So that's kind of interesting, too.
1: In my right. Mind. Right. Brian Biggs asks, uh, you know, could he be approaching Thranduil? You know, could, could that be, is, could the path be opening up for Thranduil on the other side uh, to confront him? So that basically they're opening up. Is not actually in response to him, but in fact in 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 response to Thranduil, and they're making they're clearing a path for him possibly. Um, yep. But this is that's, one of those ones where that's it's just
3: dangerous to make. Matthew too many
1: Reynolds assumptions. was just uh, was just uh, suggesting too same thing.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Pointing
3: Elf. Pointing Elf is at the other end.
1: Right, exactly. Pointing at him. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, it, you know, the 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 way that this happened, you know, Trish was sort of suggesting Bart to like, try, <laughs> like, stepping up and back down like this, kind of like my six-year-old playing <laughs> Ooh, with the like, automatic take, door oh, at, 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 at the grocery that. store, you know.
3: I said like a Marx Brothers movie. Right. I'll step back. I'll step forward. I'll step back. I'll step forward. Look
1: at what I can make them do. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's just how it works. I'm sure they'd keep doing that as long as he moved up and down the steps. Okay, so this is Bilbo just before he gets hit on the head with a rock, I think. Oh. He's just about to get hit on the head with a rock and go unconscious, and we'll get the rest of the battle in in in, in, a, in exposition <laughs> after the fact, I think.
3: The one time Jackson will stay true to the book, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, yes. If, oh, there's, uh, if there's
2: one thing we can be confident about, it's that Peter Jackson will knock out Bilbo and skip an entire battle. Skip the entire battle, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, now, I two other comments uh, uh, here. Um, first, um, uh, Anthony Pellico has, uh, or pelicio pelicio probably. Uh, I'm guessing at your name, Anthony. You can tell me if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, it says, of course, that this. It looks like Haldir's arrival at the Hornberg. and I agree, especially in Bard's reaction. I think this is—I mean—it it seems to be almost a, like an homage to that scene, right? Where where um, this force of you know the, these these re, these unexpected reinforcements, you know, show up, and uh, you know the human leader is you know stunned and not sure what to do about it. Um, so yeah, I think that that that, that is what it. Reminds me of Ben Bassett was um, interested in the uh, the armor design, um, and it's you know, and uh, sort of thinking about how much it, it looks like the First Age elves from the Fellowship, you know, the the you know Elrond's company um, at the Battle oh, of yeah. Dagorlad. Um, I my memory is not keen enough. I would be interested to see a shot of these guys, the elves that in ranks at Helm's Deep, and the elves in ranks at, uh, at the Battle of Dagorlad um, and, uh, and see um, see the sort of the similarities and differences. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I mean, one thing that's clear, these elves are bowmen, whereas the elves in the Battle of Dagorlad were wielding spears. They're um, not exactly the same, but
3: those are some serious bows
1: yes, they are they are anyway, okay, so Bilbo just about to be knocked unconscious and missed the whole battle, of course, I think we all um, we all can agree on that Um That's-
3: Jax's homage to uh, Rankin-Bass. Oh, no, actually, he didn't get hit by... No, no, he, get hit no, by he doesn't. Of he doesn't. I he kind just of, hid
1: behind a rock. Didn't I, I, I kind of wish he would, but he doesn't. Yeah, I'm, uh, every time I watch the Rankin-Bass film, I'm hoping that the Rankin-Bass Bilbo will get knocked on the <laughs> head by a stone, but he never does. Um, uh, much to my disappointment. I wonder what Bilbo's looking at.
3: Who, and what's that behind him? Is that battle behind him, or is that... Looks like it. Looks like battle,
1: doesn't it? Yeah. This looks like in the middle of the battle. I mean, yeah, he could just be stunned. This could be well, post somebody's death. Uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um. He does a little. He does a little PTSD, doesn't
1: he? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm what I'm seeing there. Um, yeah. Uh. All right. Hang on a second. Hang on. Okay.
3: Who oh, somebody sent.
1: Yeah. I got it. Okay, the elves at Dagger lad. Hmm. Yeah. You got well, the, the you got the, the crest the on the helm thing, different. yeah. The are different, but there's there's definitely. Pretty close. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of similarities right. there. Okay, sorry. All right. <laughs> we have very helpful listeners who are assisting and sending me pictures. I think it's here.
3: great. I love that you guys are doing that. I think it's awesome. This is, by the way, this is kind of an appetizer of what we'll be doing for the rest of the year after the oh. Riddle Game is over.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now we move on to the improbable action sequence in the trailer
3: <laughs> Battle Sheep.
1: Battle Sheep. Oh,
3: that's, that's later.
1: No, these are Battle Sheep as well, I believe.
3: Yeah, they look like Bighorn ram. Bighorn they do. Sheep rams, don't they?
1: So we have a large chariot thing. Probably constructed out of... Are part of the Erebor dwarves? They, oh, that looks like Dwalin's bald pate there. It does, yeah. This looks a little bit like Balin trying to drive it. That There's looks no like Fee, or Kiwi and his bow. Doesn't it?
3: Right, right.
1: And that looks like Fiwi over here.
3: Oh, okay. Wow.
1: Right there? A little bit? So yeah. Fiwi, Kiwi, Balin, and well, I wonder... And oh, Dwalin. I
3: wonder... Well, maybe do you, it wouldn't be bow for Owen... It wouldn't be those four, would it? No. Because we've seen Dwellins, bald head.
1: Yeah, yeah. None, none of them are bald. That looks like Dwellin.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably... I don't know, whoever's in the back, I guess, is the one with the reins. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's... Uh, see, that looks even more like Feewee there on the side. Yeah. Okay, so... Now, is that Dale? Where are we? Yes, that's Dale. Right? Right. Ruins of Dale? So
3: are they coming down from the mountain? Are they... Looks
1: like we're coming so they're coming down, down, from, down the from the mountain. mountain
3: on like a frozen river.
1: Yep. See, there's oh, yeah. Yeah, Erebor behind them. behind them. So we've yeah. got the river coming from the mountain, and it's frozen because it's wintertime, and we've got... Okay, so
3: listen. Where did they get the rams from, then? Do they have, like, a stable in Erebor where these, these animals have been living and breeding all these years?
1: Well, maybe they rounded them up. Maybe we're <laughs> going to get a dwarf... A You know, they're going to send... Thorin's gonna send some people out on a battle sheep roundup. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Um,
2: are we Are we sure this isn't just later from later in the film? With, uh, once Dines showed up with stuff, it, that's what I was thinking.
0: Could be. Uh,
1: maybe because the they're being attacked. They are. I mean, yeah, we've got some verifiable wargs here. Um, But Uh, maybe. I don't see how Dan... I mean, unless Dan shows up with enough time to... um, unless Dan shows up with enough time to like let them construct an improbable chariot to be drawn by the sheep i mean unless we're imagining that they're in there saying okay Dan's going to show up and we all know he's going to show up with battle sheep so therefore let us build an improbable chariot to ride down the icy river uh uh against the occasion of Dan uh bringing his battle sheep so that we i I'm really not sure. Michael says this could be a part of Thorin's charge. That's kind of what I'm seeing, Michael, unless... Nah. Okay, first of all, they're not in armor.
3: They're
1: they're not wearing their shiny armor that we saw them wearing. This looks like it's earlier. I don't know.
3: Well, then there's also the cart of Bard. um, And I was thinking it was the same... Same vehicle, only it kind of looks decimated like now that he's he's rolling toward Keeley, you know, in the yeah, in the later, yeah, but that's in Dale itself, I think,
1: yeah. Well, we'll see, or it could be yeah. like 10, I guess, yeah, it does look like Dale. Um, but anyway, so forgetting about the plot speculation, which is, as we've said, very difficult, and in this case, <laughs> very difficult, instead, again, focusing on what we have, we have Bilbo looking all PTSD as apparently a battle rages around behind him, followed by a dwarf attack vehicle riding down towards Dale from the mountain, right? We clearly get those visual images, right? Um, And wargs in their path. So whether or not this is actually part of, you know, Thorin's Charge, capital T, capital C, uh, or not, that certainly seems to be um, that certainly seems to be what we uh, you know the concept that we have here is them riding out to in, from Erebor to engage the enemy and what's more we have this image of like them as unstoppable force charging down. Um, I don't know what the plan is of these two wargs exactly um, they don't seem to have a very good plan um, the six battleship alone would pretty well take them out with that momentum yes. but yes. Uh, <laughs> but anyway yeah Unless um, there's
3: more behind him.
1: Right. Now, Now, so again, now we move from this, right? We move from preliminary battle shots to Bard, you know, will you have peace or war? Bard still wearing his bathrobe, apparently, so he's not in... I was just
3: going to say he's in a civvies. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah he's not He's not he's in, in, <coughs> uh, in armor. He doesn't appear to be ready for war.
3: Now, is he at the door? I assume he's at the door of Erebor. We see Dale in the background, or he's somewhere in between yeah. the two yeah. places. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's clearly Dale early. in the background. This is clearly him at the gate, I would say. But this is fascinating. You see, that. this is moving in a very different direction from what we get in the book. Remember, the words that Thorin says from the gates are, Who comes armed as if for war to the gates of Thorin, son of Thran, son of Thor, king, under the mountain? Um Bard isn't armed as if for war. In fact, his, his, not only his, his dress, but his whole body language and demeanor here. And look at his facial expression. This looks, he looks like a, a suppliant, right? He looks like a beggar come to the, you know, who comes humbly and as a beggar to the gates of Thor and Son of Thra and Son of Thror. Um, and that, I think, is a fascinating, um, is 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 a fascinating choice if they're going to do that because as I you know the argument I've made many times before um, you know including in my book when Thorn asks that question it's a very good question you know I mean yes Thorn is being a jerk at the gates but he's not alone in being a jerk at the gates you know and he he, he his uh, his the choices that he makes are unjustifiable but they're not unprovoked um, and. You know the fact that they do come in arms and then they move their camp aggressively, you know, actively to besiege the gate after this first conversation. Um, there's there's some clear belligerence on the part of Bard in especial, but their combined armies in general. Um, but. Um, uh, uh, this is a very, very different move, I think, um, and fascinating, because and it, 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 it seems to suggest that they're going to be placing the onus even more upon Thorin, right? Um, his choice of war, this trailer certainly makes his choice of lore, war look unjustified, right? Uh-huh. You know, here I am coming as your friend, trying to warn you, trying to ask, can't we have peace, and Thorin apparently saying no. Right. Um, yeah. Michael Valenti says concern is all over Bard's face, almost as though he knows what Thorne is going to say before he asks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, Bard looks vulnerable here. Um, and again, I, I think that's, that's, this is, this is a, I'm really interested by the way that they do, especially the contrast as we'll get.
3: Also, if you Think of the quality of their interaction in Lake Town in movie two. Right, Bard and he have the face down, or the you know face to face. This is especially interesting, especially given now we see Thorin in full regalia.
1: Right, and especially remember we were talking even then about the height difference right how we had Thorne looking uh, up at yeah. bard right That's they were standing toe to toe and and uh you know with Thorne staring right at bard's navel and uh and and the camera angles emphasized the fact that Thorne was looking up several feet at bard and now here we have you know bard looking way up at thorn and thorn you know standing regally looking down in armor again i mean the the, the contrast in their dress couldn't be more extreme and look at Look at Keeley. Yeah, he's all like, "No, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with that decision." Right, right. Um, uh, look
3: at all the Raven stuff. By the oh way. yeah,
1: we got some Raven action Ravenclaw. going on here. Yeah,
3: On his helm too. Isn't I Raven wouldn't
1: have stuff, picked right? Thorin for Ravenclaw, but there you go. <laughs> um, is is that
2: the uh, is that the, the the crown of Rowena Ravenclaw? <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: that's the. That's but it right didn't before be having the
2: desired effect of increasing his wisdom.
1: No, but maybe if it see if it's still a, oh, horcrux, a horcrux that could explain yeah, the change in his personality. <laughs>
0: that's right.
2: That's
1: right. Okay. Yeah. No, I think we've got it figured out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he's got the fur going on here, right? And mean, yeah. think of the think of the difference between Thorin in this shot, and and again, re- remember that Thorin looking off into the distance, dressed in the nice armor he got from Lake Town, right? We, you know, when he's when he's on the boat going across the lake toward being ferried to to Erebor, that uh, you know, that big Return of the King, staring off into the rising sun shot that we were talking about before the second film. You know, here we have him yeah. looking out from Erebor and he's wearing now dwarven armor with a dwarven crown, and he's. Um, uh,
3: D may makes the point of yeah. that these if these are furs that have been in Erebor they've surely got to be pretty moldy furs at this point.
1: I, well, it looks <laughs> like he's had a merit out. You know, apparently <laughs> they, they've they've had they've had time for the dry cleaners. That's fine, because um, you know time time has passed. So, um, yeah. You can really catch you, you, Thorin in some um, really comical expressions here. You can. This is the this "I'll case. huff and I'll puff and I'll blow the, your house down" expression right here.
2: So, so one thing that I think that's very interesting about this sequence—the Bard's question and then Thorin—yes—is um, I, I, is that is is sort of the I think the differing experiences that book. Readers versus um, non-book readers can have. I think book readers immediately know what is being implied here—that that the the dwarves of Erebor are prepared to go to war with the men and elves over over the the, the stuff, um, you know, the the horde. Uh, but I think, and I, and I guess it is strongly implied, and maybe non-book readers who are at least aware of sort of the overall story and. and read a lot on the internet and stuff might get that too. But I feel like it's entirely possible for a non-book reader to see this and not be entirely sure who's talking to whom and what right. the shots are from. Right. And is Thorin directly addressing Bard? Is Bard directly addressing Thorin?
1: Right. And we can't rule out the fact that the, the, I mean, it, perhaps they're not. You know, I mean, the trailer yeah. makes it look like that, but we've been fooled before with that kind of thing. It sounds like a direct question and answer, but it, you know, it, there might actually be some gap between the two of these. Um, this could be a, a later parley, you know, um, between, between the two. I think that's actually quite possible. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, um. Yeah, yeah, now, it's it's very interesting. I love Kiwi's Kiwi's worried face. I know
3: Kiwi's face there is really yeah. No, Uncle, say it isn't so.
1: My girlfriend is in the camp.
3: That's right.
0: Okay, oh. now we there shift.
1: We it means Warland, war. Marvish. Okay, what does war mean? Let us see. So now we get friend <laughs> oh, duel. There's,
3: there's some other War's funny
1: awesome. Okay, now hang on here. Look at that again. Now I'm assuming. This looks like the same ruin. It. I don't see snow right. falling, but we only get a like a, one second here, so who knows? Um, I was asking before why is Thranduil walking all by himself through a, a, a like? Why does he look like he's being ambushed? And now we see him apparently fighting off. There's nobody else. It's just him and orcs in this scene. What the heck is he doing? I don't understand.
3: It's like we've all wondered if he's coming late to the party, right?
1: by himself i mean again i, I know, just i'm just like really honestly like they leave him at home alone like, a ser- like that's what we're gonna get we're gonna get thranduil being like well the army can go if they want to but i'm staying here like <laughs> seriously
3: I was, thinking, I was thinking he gives isolationist orders goes to bed and they all rebel and the they
1: night. all sneak out yeah and he wakes up, up in the, in the morning and he's like that's hey funny. where's the army <laughs> Um,
3: I, li- I like yours better, though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and then later on, he's like, "Oh, okay, fine, I'll go." And 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 then what travels by himself? I mean, granted, it only takes five minutes, but travels by himself from Merkwood to, and then comes to the battle and finds what some outskirts of the battle where nobody is yet. And he's like guys, is this where the battle is? And then the orcs jump him. I I just, I so don't get what could be going on here. Um, That I, now I... I think
3: just Thranduil alone just seems strange. Very strange.
1: I don't, I just don't know. Um, uh, So, Yes. Also, um, oh,
3: Sarah, Sarah Lagarde says she thinks she's seen a picture recently of Thranduil on his elk in the middle of a large group of elf infantry.
1: I was pretty sure of that, too. And not to mention that just I cannot imagine that the elf army move. I mean, like all in all seriousness, I cannot imagine the elf army moves without Thranduil's collusion yeah. onto that, no. you know. um, uh, But. um, Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I, I don't. I don't understand. I'm willing to believe, like, this is some kind of heroic action, which he is undertaking. Um, but... You know, uh, you'd
3: think he'd at least put his hair back in a ponytail. I mean, that's just got to get in the way.
1: Yeah, you'd think.
3: Especially as he's f- flipping around and, you know, whirling and stuff. Yeah, well, of course, the cape doesn't help either, does it?
1: Not really. Hmm. Well... Okay, and then we get, you know, it's like, somewhere, it's like... I smell danger. (laughs) I love this. So we just get Legos turning around and looking fierce. Like, wait, I smell something that! Okay, I don't know. Um, Is that Dale?
3: See, that still looks like an empty quiver to me.
1: Uh, Yeah, maybe. You're right, I don't see any blonde uh, uh, camouflaged arrows. Is this Dale? Where is it? So he's scouting, he's not in Dale. So Legos is separated from the armies? this is something different
3: he might be up on the hill though that hill where Erebor is remember how um, right when Bard was talking he had that almost that same vista of Dale behind him didn't he when Bard was making a supplication
1: right unless unless this is him traveling chasing Bolg and then he's like dragon attack no but that would be at night this is this is during the day that can't happen Again, remember we we can't assume that these are in chronological sequence. You know, we can't assume that this is happening at anything like the same time that this is happening or has anything to do with this happening. So, you know, we have to be careful about that, but um oh, by the way, a couple people mentioned before, why are we getting all these mountains in the background? Isn't it supposed to be a lonely yeah. mountain? Is it Yes, it is, but um I, this, I assume, is just part of the limitations of, of the geography. I mean, just as uh, Peter Jackson explained, they don't have prairies in New Zealand, you know, so, like, they couldn't do Rohan, you know, as, like, an open prairie as it's supposed to be. Um, so they did the best that they could. They do a pretty good job of showing the Lonely Mountains standing out among the rest of the mountains, but uh, but I yeah, I think that this is just a, a location limitation thing. Um But, um, um, I'm actually, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not too bothered about it, I have to admit. Um, but, yeah, Michael thinks this is when Legos is chasing Bulg. I, possibly, possibly. Um, I, that, that seems to me possible. Um, but I'm not sure. Um... Okay, now here's where we get the cart. That does...
3: Oh, that's a different cart. It's a yeah, different it clearly cart. Yeah, is like a Pete different said, cart. The, the wheels are completely different, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, and it's it's an open cart. But he's
3: coming at, I think, it looks like it's Keeley. Keeley looked like one of them, but maybe...
1: No, that's a woman. That's
3: just juxtaposition. That's a woman there. This but, is a girl. And a man, the man's... Yeah. Maybe it's when... He, and they're in Dale, aren't they? Are they in Dale? Is that...
1: Yeah. This looks like... Looks like Van. So. This is, aren't these just kids? doesn't that look like quite... uh,
3: is one of his daughters dark haired
1: yeah isn't she were they both blonde
3: can't remember now isn't this
1: like his older daughter and his son and for some reason he's like barreling down towards the... Boy, wouldn't yeah. that be sad? His kids survived the dragon attack only to die in a freak wagon accident <laughs> in the ruins of Dale. Father. Right, yeah. They'd be like, okay, alright, kids, we're back. We're going to... The, the keg has returned to Dale. And then a tragic road accident uh, leads to their freakish and untimely deaths. Boy, that would really inject a new breed of sadness into the film. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yes. Bane is holding. If it's Bane, he is holding a sword. But, uh, you know, like, yeah, he would. Like, why not? Um,
3: And so is that. So is Bard.
1: I I'm not even going to try to guess what on earth is happening here or why. I, 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 I can't. I just. Yeah.
3: And I also don't know that the next scene with Keeley is even connected to this scene.
1: No, I. In, in fact, I think not it's not. not. Look at you. See the blue sky here and the darker clouds yeah. here. It's and clearly not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is obviously on Erebor. We have him in his armor, but not yet bare in che- his plate mail.
3: Bare chested, more or less.
1: Yeah, I think this is clearly like Aiden Turner, uh, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh
3: it does. He almost has that. Zoolander kind of look on his face yeah. that male model first lip thing. Oof,
1: <laughs> yes.
3: And the wind machine is going.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Yeah, this kind of looks like a glamour shot. But <clears throat> but uh given the, be- the benefit of the doubt uh on the glamour shot, um I don't, well, See, I just I I am so puzzled by this scene that I have no idea what to do with it or how to fit it in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um like even like sort of thinking thematically how these things fit together, you know, the shots after we have, you know, how about war and then we get Thranduil for some reason fighting by himself, Legolas doing we're not sure what Bard we're sure, we're you know also, doing we you know also even by less. Himself. What yeah, Bard by yeah. himself Running down his kids with a cart for some reason, and then Aiden Turner looking glamorous. So I, I'm puzzled. (laughs) The thing this has in common is people turning their heads around quickly. I don't know.
3: Heartthrobs. We've got four heartthrobs. Right. Right. We've got Thranduil. You know, this is for the fangirl. This is the fangirl section of the The fangirl
1: segment. Possibly so. Yeah. Uh, If so, that's a. that, that that gets its serious negative echo accol- and then of course azog you know that guess uh, so I guess we're continuing the uh, the heart-throb sexy beast uh, montage here <laughs> you know azog show me your iron claw uh, you know you sexy thing so I think that's clearly oh and then Bulg, oh, right? bulk, right yeah yeah exactly um, so yeah yeah um, yeah. Okay, well, if the trailer is just going to give us like glamour shots of the beautiful people, um, <laughs> it's, that's that's that 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 brings it down a peg in my view. But okay, so we got right. I'm the king of the world, and here's my huge army marching, not in very careful formation. Though we do see, ra- you know, we do see ranks, right? Uh, in places, so this is clearly marching. This is not a horde. This is not a battle yet. I love it when orcs carry, like, rags as standards. You know, they're like, come, let us defend the tattered black rag that we have on a pole, because we're orcs, and it looks like World of Warcraft when we do that. Um, I, 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 I've never understood that. Like, is it just that they don't care, and so they don't treat their banners with respect, but if so, why do they carry them at all? They shouldn't even bother. You know? Yeah, I, I... I don't know. Anyway, sorry. So, um... Uh, so we have Azog being mighty. Where, they look like
3: they're on mountain foothills at this point. Yeah, they? where
1: they're are not- we here? Are we arriving? Are we attacking? They don't seem to be in a hurry. We're we're walking. We're walking. We're walking. We're, walking. we're not <laughs> running. Right? So we're not charging. This is not a charge. This is a march. Um, okay, and then Bolg.
3: Plus, uh, when we saw the army leave, well, assuming they were leaving Dol Guldur, which I'm still thinking they might have just been doing parades, but Bolg was still in Dol Guldur, right? So this could be Bolg catching up with his army, saying,
1: "Good job, you've Bulg... come a long way." But hang on now, Bolg was in Lake Town. This is this has got to be Dol Guldur, right? It's got to be. I'm sorry, not Bolg. I meant Azog. Right, Azog Azog was. But this is Bolg, and he's got to be at Dol Guldur. I mean, this is Dol Guldur. I mean, where else do we get this? We get the stones in the mountain and the red, like, you know, Sauron Afterglow and the creepy mist. This is Dol Guldur, isn't it? There's not creepy mist like that at Erebor.
3: Or the only other possibility would, uh, would be Dale. But you're right, no mist there either.
1: I guess there's snow. Is this snow? I guess it's snow. It could be.
3: But there was there was snow at Dalgoldur, wasn't there? Did we see snow at Dalgoldur? I mean, now I don't remember. I don't think so. But look uh, at that. That's...
1: Yeah, oh, no, wait, that... wait. See that? We had that in Kiwi's uh, glamour shot.
3: Kiwi's shot, yes, that, right. gonna,
1: uh, Yeah, see? There we are. Okay, yeah. now that's Erebor. I don't know what's up with the glowing... Like, Tower of Doom thing we've got going on back here, though. That, like, maybe this is. Oh, wait, I know. I got it. That's Raven Hill. That's, that's the Raven. It's the Raven motif on the tower. This is the Watchtower on Raven Hill. That's what this is. Oh,
3: okay. Got it. Vol- looks cross eyed there, doesn't he?
1: Well, he's got some issues, I think. <laughs> um,. He's really long overdue for
3: his
1: plastic surgery. Yeah, he's got uh, he's missed his annual checkup for quite a few years, I think. Um, (laughs) But that's what this is. So the so and that's why it's in the mist because it's up in the clouds. Because naturally, you put a watchtower up in the clouds where you can't see anything and there's no visibility. So that must be what's going on here, and that's where Kiwi is up on the watchtower. And what he's looking at, he's like, it's Bog. So, right, now we know why he's whipping his head around in such a glamorous fashion, because he's looking at Bog, which may or may not have anything to do with this army that's marching, because we don't know where they are. Um, so, okay, so that's Ravenhill, obviously. All right. Um, so Bolg, because, besides which, Bolg isn't going to be at Dol Guldur because he just left, you know, he just left right. Lake Town. We know he's up there. And obviously you can't just get from Lake Town to Dol Guldur in to, in 10 minutes. So that's improbable, right? And that would never happen. So um, Pete is asking, is this Bolg really facing Bilbo or is that trailer drama? I think it's got to be trailer drama. I mean, it's possible. It's conceivable. But yeah, I don't. I don't see any reason necessarily to believe that. Um, what's this? Is that like a a dining room chair? Doesn't this look like a high-backed? T- no, it's got to be like a, a watch fire, like a beacon thing, right? Like an outdoor brazier. Yeah, Right? Yeah. For the guards to roast marshmallows yep. over while they're, right? Yeah, patio furniture, Pete, exactly. That's what it looks like. It's probably a brazier, but it would be cool if it were like steel dwarven patio furniture. But anyway, okay, so we're high up at Erebor by, you know, on, you know, Raven Hill at the lookout post doing something there, and there are people in there apparently. So what looks like a sinister, sauron like glow is probably just a, a cheerful campfire. Um,.
3: Now, are we thinking this thing with Bilbo is in the same scene?
1: No, we're thinking that's probably misleading. But it might not be. I mean, Bilbo might be up there, and he certainly looks surprised enough to be staring at Bulg marching right towards him. But maybe this is right when, you know, Kiwi's like, Bilbo, I shall shoot him in the back for you. I don't know. Um (laughs) but that certainly does seem like a thing. So, it certainly the scenery looks similar. I mean, the lighting, right, with the clouds and the light, you know, clouds kind of the mist and the clouds breaking mm-hmm. up and the light shining down looks similar here. Mm-hmm. So, it certainly could be the same place. Um, uh, but now we get the battle sheep. The battle rams. The battle the battle rams. sheep. Now, does this mean they've given up on the pigs? No. No, I have a I have a theory about that. And it's kind of an out there theory. Um, but my theory is that what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. I've blocked it. Ryan. Yeah no Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly. My theory is that Billy Connolly is a jerk.
0: That's my theory.
1: (laughs) now, it might seem a little crazy. If you know, you're wanting to be willing to go there with me. But I think that he was just being a jerk. Now, it's possible that he just didn't know and they like re-CGI'd like sheep where there used to be pigs. Maybe this is an actual change. But I would actually be willing to believe that Billy Connolly knew they weren't pigs all along and was just trying to make it sound dumber than it was.
3: Well, I'm not going to argue with you, but I think I've seen a drawing of...
1: Made of by whom? Battle
3: pig, one of the one of the people mo- working on the movie. Yeah,
1: maybe. Maybe but maybe they actually did it and replaced them with rams, which are cooler, by the way. This is kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, this is a battle steed rams. that you can actually see riding into battle.
3: Right.
1: Pigs, not so much. Um, but, uh, especially since you've got the whole, you know, mountain and hills thing going on, it makes sense. But... Um yeah, Pete says, Hey look, they're battering rams. Um That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um very
2: very interesting question here, of course, is are they charging toward orcs or are they charging toward elves?
1: Uh I'm going with elves. Mostly because that's what I voted for. But um but <laughs> this is also what one of the we're seeing them coming, charging in, and notice they're charging in over the brow of a hill. Um, this could just be, like, a surprise attack, but I suspect that this is the arrival. I mean, I suspect this is the first time we're going to see them, the Dwarves of the Iron Hills, is them charging over the hilltop. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, In I, fact,
2: I'd venture to guess they're riding directly at Bilbo.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh my gosh, here they come right at me. By the yeah. way,
3: St- uh, Steve Hawley had mentioned, and he wrote it again here, that um, uh, uh, ram- these kind of rams are dwarven racial mounts in World of Warcraft, which, you know, could be Jackson's nod to that demographic.
1: I can believe this. I, 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 I that's that doesn't seem uh, uh, that doesn't seem to me at all unlikely. Um, uh, okay. I'm just looking at the sky it's
2: all pretty cloudy
1: yeah it looks like
3: uh, it, a different a terrain place. though I mean you'd, you'd have to be looking down I would imagine that these are oh these yeah no, I, yeah
1: standing, right? so. exactly I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there's any chance Bilbo's actually looking oh, okay. at this but yeah I'm just trying okay. to see if the, if uh, oh. if this is supposed to be you know if, what odds there are that these are contemporary events um, now of course you'll notice. In support, though probably deceptive support, of my vote on that particular riddle. Notice the juxtaposition between dwarves charging into battle and bard charging into battle in the opposite direction. You see? Now, again, I'm not arguing that here in this moment we're seeing those. I'm not saying that they're the same scene. I'm saying that the trailer has juxtaposed two things. One dwarven army charging from right to left juxtaposed with uh, with Bard leading Lakeman charging left to right that's all I'm saying
3: is is he wearing mail underneath
1: yeah but just go a little bit further is Bard now wearing mail yeah
3: oh he wants to go to the eye probably oh the eye
1: yeah
2: bard is obviously attacking sauron
1: <laughs> well he just I, I think really he accidentally trips the you know how, how like gandalf turned the corner and hit the the eye ignition button with his staff and everyone was like oh crap gandalf what did you do he he, he hits the same button right boom oh man anyway yeah
3: is he wearing mail under that coat now under his bath,
1: bathroom. yeah. He looks like he is. Uh, see, yeah. There's chainmail there. Yeah. 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 So he's not wearing his bathrobe anymore. Um. And it seems it's a similar motif to what we've got going on back with this guy yeah. over here. Yeah. Um. So that we've got the lake men clearly under arms now with the spears and things that they were. You know, and the same kind of sword that they had on that rack in the court in the courtyard when right. Gandalf was riding in, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. I can't really tell what he's fighting. It's tall, and I mean, it's obviously not a dwarf he's actually Definitely fighting in this scene. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, but again, you see, notice how the trailer is oh, inviting us. Oh, no, they us.
2: turned on their allies, the elves.
1: That's right. That's, that, that, I'm sure that's what it is. <laughs> what are
3: you doing? Fl- the flashing eye.
1: Okay. Now, Trish.
3: Again, four dwarves, Count
1: right? the dwarves. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this, I think, is them, the four of them, returning to Erebor. They're
3: going in. Uh, yeah, it looks like they're actually entering. Or, yeah, yeah.
1: This is them, the refugees coming back. Uh, we've got the elves
3: trying to trying to hit the refugees with their bows.
1: Right. You shall not return to Erebor. Are they aiming at yeah, I, battles? I do. I do hope. I do hope they're not aiming
2: at the Lonely Mountain. That seems futile.
3: It does, doesn't
2: it? Yeah. Hopefully, they're aiming at. Unless um, all thirteen dwarves are ranged.
3: You know, arranged all three doors are like like a like a a show. You know, a carnival show. They're all up on a parapet or something.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Probably. Probably. And now. There
3: you go. See, they're aiming at these guys.
1: Yeah. Exactly. They're like, "Hey, wait, I think they're doing I I I I think the dwarves are having a photo shoot a photo. up on top of the Exactly. <laughs> that was the and perfect poor, time. For
3: Bofur, all you ever see, all you see of Bofur is the top of his hat right behind
1: Oh house. yeah. Yeah. This was right before they were like, "Excuse me, could you Bofur, could you move left please a little bit? We can't see you." Right, and Bilbo's like, "Do I have to be in this picture? I don't want to be in this picture."
0: Yeah, he's
1: Right. He, he he totally looks like the 14 year old son at the family uh, at, at the family exactly reunion party. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be here. Um, but again, you know, with the
2: So this is yeah before they've arrayed themselves in armor.
1: Yes. I'm guessing this that is this is when talent. they're like after this is when they're going to go arm themselves. Right. And he says, you will, will you follow me yeah. one more time? And they're going to go they're going to go put their armor on.
3: By the way, we see Keely and Ori both wearing the clothes they were wearing when they were lifting the statue.
1: Right. Yeah, we got the mittens. You can barely yep. see them down and there. and the cowl thing. And the cowl okay. thing. Yeah, and. Uh,
3: he's got his, his mail shirt on, or whatever
1: that is. Bowen's wearing shoes. his red. This looks like the stuff they were wearing in the uh, mm-hmm. improbable wagon Eakley. too. Yeah. yeah. In- oh, yeah. yeah that's
2: right. A weekly photo shoot from three years ago. Yeah. That's right. So, so what's interesting about that is, if if we assume for the moment that this is very likely, this is pre, um, this is right after, this will be right at the start of the film, and that Thorin's speech is happening contemporaneously with this, will you follow me once more? Um, I don't know that that Thorin speech doesn't sound like crazy dragon sick it Thorin. It doesn't. You know, no. I will have war. Nothing. It nothing sounds in this more, teaser.
3: Sound, well, even the "I will have war" doesn't really sound like dragon sickness. It no, just
2: sounds it, like, I. I I've took that. That sounded like full on, yeah. um, full on dragon sick Thorin. But the, the "Will you follow me once more?" sounds like kind of heroic Thorn from earlier in the series. So I'm. I'm I'm just I'm kind of wondering if we're, once again we're getting uh, some. On the other hand, it doesn't sound like some sound like him leading them out into the midst of the Battle of the Five Armies. I feel like he's not going to say that quietly. But I don't know. It just it sounds like. It doesn't sound like crazy Thorin. It sounds like good Thorin. This does. Well, I, could, I
3: absolutely agree. It could be after he comes to his senses. Yeah, it could be after Thorin, because does he, he comes to his senses before they go out to fight the Orcs? Doesn't he? The
1: well, Thorin. yeah. I mean, yes. that, that's exactly what I was when I when I when I heard this for the first time. My hope has been that this was Thorin asking them to follow him on his catastrophic charge um, into the battle. Um, Now, Michael says the voiceover of this shot may not be what you're seeing. Absolutely. Thank you for the reminder, Michael. You're absolutely right. right. Those words might not go. I mean, they might go with this sense that is we're getting all of the company looking at us except for Thorne. So it looks like all of them standing around looking at Thorne. But that doesn't mean that this is actually what we're seeing on screen when Thorne is delivering that line.
2: What might actually be happening is they're all standing around looking at Thorin. Thorin is speaking as he is in the voiceover, except in in this actual scene, it's Thorin ranting crazily about the elves, the
1: thieves at their doorstep coming to pilfer their mountain. And I have to say, that looks very plausible. I look at their facial expressions, right? Here's Kiwi saying... I'm really uncomfortable, but I'm trying to, like, be stoic about this. Feely's like, I'm trying to show solidarity, but this really isn't funny. Balin is like, dude, what the heck is wrong with you? Dwalin's like, I'm, like, cool to go beat things up, but even I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Nori's like, I'm just going to peek around Balin's head because, you know, like, I'm really... And, you know, of course... I'm hoping he won't notice me. Yeah, yeah, exactly, but I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't mean me. Look at Dory. You know, he's like, the heck is wrong with you? Right, and here's Bilbo saying, "I'm backing away from this right now. Like I am. He's, you know, like my little thought bubble above Bilbo's head at this moment here is, I'm totally giving the Arkenstone to them. That's it. Like, forget it."
3: I gotta say they're they're surprisingly well quaffed, these guys.
1: Yeah, well, especially Nori. I mean, you know, you can't you yeah. can't really get past but he that. They put a star
3: yeah. back into shape. I mean, that's a pretty and Balin's beard. I mean, I don't know what you know. They must have some pretty interesting. Hair, um, hair utensils there in Erebor.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know they have the ancestral uh, uh, hair utensils. Salon. So that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, here we have the you know the light off the elvish helmets. Like when I first saw this in in real time, that they they looked like orcs, but I see that it's just the light looking strangely. It's clear from the you know the golden light over here that these are obviously elves.
3: And this is another um, possibly another angle from that one we saw before of them. They've got their bows raised and, yes. and cocked. Yes. Now, is this Redigas? This is Redigas' staff we have here?
1: Uh, yeah, believe so. Looks like it. Yep. The one that he's
3: got in Fellowship of the Ring, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um. Not reading anything
2: into that. Right. Yeah, now, I would agree with
3: Pete. I was thinking the same thing when I saw the earlier shot of the, of the elves with their bows raised. that it was the parley. It was during the parley with Thorin.
1: You know, can I just say that's not normally how you do parleys? You know, normally, I know. With, like having the entire army with their bows drawn ready to loose at you is usually not how you try to engage in peaceful discussions.
3: <laughs> well, it could be the end of the parley
1: the very end yeah. The <laughs> yeah sometimes that's how Parley's end it's true but uh you know pretty much the discussion's more or less over once you've actually drawn you know your bows uh, and, uh you know that's uh it's a pretty are there some people mounted
3: over there on the right are they mounted looks so like yeah yeah those guys on, hopefully
1: elk uh yeah if we can get if we get like the 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 elf moose cavalry I'll be happy I will be very happy with the moose cavalry. Now, this presumably not what they're doing at the time. Private moment. Yeah.
3: Now he has arrows.
1: Yep, he's got some arrows back. Um, Immediately prior to see these two. Tariel's inevitable death. Right, these two shots. Right don't miss me when I'm gone um the <laughs> so we get Gandalf in front of the armies we've got Toriel and Legos and then we've got Bilbo I mean this juxtaposition of just of stairs who is you know
3: who is there like who's there next to? Is it, oh that's probably Glowin
1: Glowin yeah yeah it's gotta be okay. Glowin he's the only okay. one with, with hair like that and yeah. then Dory yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know the rest of them are clearly Dwarves Got Dwalin's head back there. Yeah,
3: Dwalin and both, uh, Bifur.
1: And Bilbo like... not wearing Mithril, right? <sighs>
3: That's true. Yes.
1: Um. So this would seem to be relatively early on. I don't know, but the important thing again is the juxtaposition here. So we've got Thorin saying, "Will you stand with me one? La- you know, will you follow me one last time, Gandalf." Legolas, look at how their faces are like they're looking in the same way in the same place on screen. You know the the way that this trailer is really juxtaposing Legolas, Bilbo, and Gandalf. There is really interesting. All staring up. I mean, here we've got Thorin saying, "Will you follow me?" Gandalf seems to be turning around to look up at Thorin, right? So it's like, here's Gandalf looking at you, Thorin, here's Legolas looking over at you, Thorin, here's Bilbo staring at you, Thorin. Like, they're not literally staring at him, I'm not trying right, to say right, that they are. Right. But again, that's that's how this seems to be kind of being put together there. Um,
3: now, Jeremy's right, Bilbo does not look happy in any shot in this trailer.
1: No, will we see Bilbo smile? We should have like an over-under for the number of times Bilbo <laughs> smiles in film three. Um, I. Uh, I think whatever it is, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna bet the under on that one. Um,
3: do we see a? Oh, I was gonna say, do we see a burning lake town in the back? But I think that's just another snow capped mountain.
1: I think so. Yeah. 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 I think. I think it is. Yeah, because we can see another one here in the foreground yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The thing that I like about this, especially, is the ending shots. You know, this is where we. This is where we end. Um. And uh, uh, I'm interested in the fact that, you know, we ended with... You'll remember the trailers, you know, for the second film that ended with, like, the burst of flame from Smaug, right? Um, um, this one just seems to be ending with anticipation. You know, with everybody looking up to see, like, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Um what I take from it is is there seems to be a lot of emphasis in this trailer on like choices. You know, like on people's yeah. choices and mm-hmm. them thinking about what to do. Um and, you know, thinking about what's gonna happen. This yeah. 'cause I mean like this appears to be we, we don't get any action here other than Legos's hair and, you know, their their hair moving in a slightly glamorous fashion. But apart from that, um there's no real action here. But again this this seems to be you know that you know this recalls the you know it's not our fight conversation between Toriel and Legolas. And notice again, we have Legolas looking off at a ninety degree angle from Toriel. Right? They're not see they they're still not looking in the same direction. This um, is
3: where Legolas is saying to Toriel, "You were right. I was wrong. It is our fight." So right. He can't look at when he says that.
1: Right? He does kind of have the expression on his face, like, "Yes, I'm very, very grudgingly admitting that I was wrong before." <laughs> um, that would fit. Um but uh, uh, but yeah, I, I um, um uh, it does it, so again, I mean, I just sort of go with um, um I, I I just sort of go with the people deliberating, people making you know we, we've got Bilbo doing a lot of staring off into space and thinking in this trailer. It starts with that, right, and ends with that too. Um, mm-hmm. Bilbo dressed in this coat with the strange collar, which I've never understood. By the way, what's up with that collar exactly? Like weird raggedy yeah. bits of fabric. I, uh, I mean, I guess it used to be. I nice, thought but... it was an
3: animal skin or something.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't look but it's to be. Pretty, anyway, pretty so anyway, so there's there's the, I don't want to you know go all fashion critic on Bilbo here, but um, but uh, but you know, so the trailer begins and ends with Bilbo staring introspectively off into the middle distance, um, except now here he's doing it on top of the mountain, whereas he was doing it indoors before. But both of them, I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I take both of those shots, they seem to suggest the, um... um they seem to suggest that, you know, the, again, Bilbo thinking about the decision that he has to make, Legos apparently... Contemplation. All, yeah, contemplation, exactly. Um... You know, Lego's thinking about it. Bilbo, you know, Gandalf doesn't suggest to me like somebody on the cusp of a decision here, but rather sort of demanding one. I mean, you know, Gandalf here says more to me, so what's it going to be, Thorin, than, than you know, Gandalf himself, actually. I almost
3: get the, are you crazy, dude? Right. What right. are you saying? Exactly. Dude? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, his, uh, his, his, around the eyes, especially, you know, that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suspect. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think it's, you know, Pete says, uh, I'm glad they started and ended their trailer with Bilbo because he doesn't seem to have much to do in the film. I am not sure of that. You know, I'm actually, Pete, getting the opposite sense from the trailer here Mm -hmm. itself. Um, There's been a lot of Bilbo in this trailer, I think. Um, Now, it's true, it's been a lot of him standing around either looking scared or looking contemplative, but but that seems to me a really interesting thing. Remember, the Desolation of Smaug trailers were very full of Thorin. Thorin staring right. off into the sunset, Thorin leaping yeah. with a huge cloud of flame, uh, you know, bursting out of the doorway behind him, um, you know, all that kind of thing. Thorin drawing a sword on Bilbo, you know, those are the kinds of things that we were getting in the last trailers. Um, uh, but here, we're getting a lot of Bilbo thinking, and my hope is that that means they're really gonna spotlight um, his choice, you know, the whole, his, so. the whole Arkenstone thing. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm,
3: I'm I'm kind of hoping he has even a, a even an even more pivotal role that he does in the well. I mean how could he not have a more pivotal role than he does in the book? Actually, during the battle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but I think he'll like hit the heroic side of him that we see at the end of uh, Unexpected Journey when he saves Thor and that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm hoping we'll see a lot of.
1: Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm really, I, uh, I am totally fine with I'm first of all I was totally fine with what they did with Bilbo in the second film um, I did not miss his lines and I did not um, need more action from him I actually mm. I you know I, I, I again I was just so blown away by Martin Freeman's performance and you know what he did accomplish the the, ex- the, the extent to which Martin Freeman through his performance mitigated those challenges of projecting to the audience what the narrator would normally tell us about what is going on inside Bilbo's head. Um, I thought he did so great with that mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm, ha- I'm fine with that. Um, and I think if they do, in fact, build this up so that primarily what he does here in the end is just make the choice, about the whatever exactly does happen with the Arkenstone and whatever is exactly up with the Arkenstone, um, you know, if they really foreground that choice and not do yeah. the whole, like, yes, that him saving of Thorin at the end of the first film was just a foretaste of, like, you know, Bilbo the warrior that we're going to get at the end. I'm fine if they don't do that.
3: Yeah, no, I actually do agree with you. I mean, I think that whole choice, of, I think portraying that choice about the Arkenstone or the choice he needs to make to try to avert what he sees coming and using Arkenstone to do that. I think if you're right, I think if that's all they do, it'll be awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I, yeah, you yeah. know, so in many ways I really like, in fact, I, I really prefer um, the, uh, the you know, the, the sort of downplaying of Bilbo's character. Um, in its way, mm-hmm. I think that that's truer to the story than, you um, yeah than if they had fully integrated him into the action and the return of the king if they'd made him a centerpiece of the return of the king plot, you know which has been such a such a such a a predominant focus of the story, and again, I think that's very defensible to make it so um but I'm glad that they've put him at the end. remember the first film was more about him because the first film was more about him setting out on the journey i I do hope that they close that out. you know, I do hope that we get him returning and see him changed, and uh, I like Dave, I'm still hoping for the auction at the end but um but I'm fine with the middle of the story not being primarily sort of about him yeah
2: well, that's I mean in a lot of ways, a lot of ways the story at this point are is about events kind of spiraling beyond his control. yeah, and there's very little that he can do other than choose other than choose how he feels about it and how he reacts to it. So, you know, he can't can't really... Even the Arkenstone thing, which is a major plot point and which does have a profound effect on events, nonetheless ultimately proved unsuccessful in right. preventing uh, war. You know, I mean, ultimately was a failure. The only thing that prevented war was a different war. Um, and so, so really a lot of this has... There's very little he can actually do to impact things, and so his character, in that sense, is minimized. What's important is how he chooses to feel about it. Right. You know that he that he that he on the one hand tries to take action to prevent war, betrays Thorin, but does it because he thinks it's serving a greater that he's actually helping Thorin. You know, despite Thorin's despite uh, himself. On the other hand. Then he decides to go back and be with his companions. You know what I mean? He doesn't—he doesn't completely betray him. He doesn't take the Arkenstone stone and then say, "I, you know, I'm—I need um, sanctuary." He goes back and decides to put himself at the mercy of his companions that he's betrayed. Right. And those are a lot of times those are. And then, of course, in the book, he doesn't—he's not even involved in the battle. And it's hard to imagine him being involved in the battle in a significant way. Here, it's hard to imagine him not being involved. But I don't think he's going to be the guy that strikes the fatal blow or. Wins the defeats the you know, Azog or Bolg or really anybody of any significance. So, you know, like really this this part of the story isn't about him other no. than how he
1: chooses to feel about it and how it changes him as a character, right? And you know, it, the, the book says he was very unimportant in the battle of five armies, and uh, and, and and again, I think that that's um, that it's a it's a it's a really interesting move. It just comes back to the root of the the disagreements that I've been having with book purists about the whole concept of what they're doing in these films from the beginning, you know? Um, th- one of the conceits of the later revisions is that Bilbo's narrative in The Hobbit is kind of... I mean, but the, Gandalf... When we get Gandalf's voice in the quest uh, for Erebor, um, one of the things that he says is, like you know, you know Bilbo had no idea of all this. You know, is, you know he's, he's laughing with Frodo and Gimli and others uh, in Minas Tirith about how clueless Bilbo was. And Gandalf is offering a kind of veiled commentary on The Hobbit. It's on the published Hobbit. And, you know, basically how little of the true story Bilbo understood how inflated his own sort of assessment of, 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 of himself was, and his own role in the story, and how, you know, and, uh, and and all these other, you know, and certainly, how little he understood the implications of what was really going on, and what it meant, and, you know, he, cont- he, Bilbo contextualized the whole thing as just a treasure hunt, right? To Bilbo, that's what it was, and he didn't understand the greater significance of these other things, or he just, like, barely overheard these, uh, you know, this, this stuff. Um, you know i'm thinking here of like the conversation between gandalf and elrond in rivendell at the end where he gets some glimpse into the fact that larger things were also going on oh yeah these uh, these wizards kicked uh, the necromancer out of mirkwood and everything else but um uh but but you know that's all that's all there was to it um so uh anyway i i think that that's the fact is that is um that's part of the story, you know. That's that's part of the later story as Tolkien conceived of it. So for Peter Jackson to have made that, you know, so get people wanting to say like, oh, like these Hobbit films, like they're not about the Hobbit. Well, again, that's part of the conception, you know. That's part of the that's part of the whole idea. It's it's one of the things that makes the Hobbit cute and funny in retrospect. Looking at it from the point of view of the Lord of the Rings, is you know thinking about Frodo and Sam who did know more of the picture, big picture, going back and saying. We're just going to leave this because Bilbo wrote it, right? Even though we kind of know better now. Um, you know, again, this it, it doesn't uh, doesn't bother me. By the way, we've lost Dave. Dave oh, Dave, he had to
3: go?
1: No, he just texted oh. me and said his laptop battery just died. Oh, no! So oh. Dave's computer just died on him. Uh, uh, oh. And he just texted me, and said, carry on without me. Um, oh! Uh, yeah he says just, just promise me one day you'll remember all of this including those you lost along the way <laughs> yeah we will remember those who made it to the end of the show those who had to leave to go to work uh, those whose laptop batteries died and could not complete the broadcast <laughs> Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, this... Well, uh,
3: we are kind of winding
1: down, aren't we? We should, I mean, yeah. One we? last, uh, one last comment. I can't remember who said it. It was somebody who said this like an hour ago, because um, he had to leave. Um, but that in his comment on the final, uh, the final logo here at the end, um, is his theory is that the, the, the second definite article was added just to make it fit better here.
3: That was that was Chris Lawson. He actually just did leave, but he said he was afraid he was going to have to leave before we got to that. So yes, yes yeah, he, he said that it was meant to f- it's so that it would fit right between the H and the T, right?
1: Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because without it, you know, you'd have to have the letters and it's just in a bigger font, and it wouldn't, it would, you know, no,
0: it wouldn't, it wouldn't be balanced. Yeah, it wouldn't
1: be balanced so the, because then the subtitle designer. would be larger than the the, That's which right. is still subtly larger than this. Because you know, it's uh, so yeah, you know, it's, right. it's it's. Uh, Plus, here you have the cool tri- triangular thing with the three thes, right? You know, it's that's kind of, it's kind of nice, you know. Yeah. So it's just purely for aesthetics in the logo.
3: Yeah, you know, Peter Jackson actually goes back and forth. I heard him in like, several places refer to it without the definite article, and then other places he refers to it with the definite article. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philippa um,
3: probably is the one telling him it's not the Battle of the Five Armies.
1: Right. You know, right. probably
3: like him with her elbow every time he does it
1: yeah well I, you know I, I it's it's it is interesting to hear him refer to it without that um it yeah i would love to know this uh, that th- th- that's one thing that i am kind of curious that you know normally i am not very you know i am not hugely interested in the behind the scenes stuff i'm less interested in that than i am in, in in you know just watching the thing and discussing it but uh, but I would be curious to hear where that came from. I was wondering exactly what Ed Powell just said. You know, maybe it was Warner Brothers. Yeah, if this yeah. was just a, um, yeah. you know, if the you know, the people in charge of, of 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 you know promoting the film just said, you know, the Battle of the of the Five Armies just sounds better than the Battle of Five Armies. We're an editor it was an editor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and
3: I mean, they had to. They also, you know, they had to register the name. right on too so but i i actually have if this is an okay time to do it an observation from both the comic-con panel and the teaser it's it isn't the lack of Bayorn and ragged redegast like blaring i'm not yeah i'm I'm sure they'll be around and we'll see them in other trailers i was just surprised that not only are they not in the teasers but they didn't even come up in conversation during the panel
1: huh yeah i hadn't noticed that um about the panel but yeah um their absence in the trailer doesn't surprise me.
3: Right, me neither.
1: Bjorn and I was expecting to be absent from the trailer because I'm expecting, like, the reveal of the werebearer's assault on the orcs to be more of a reveal that maybe we'll get flashes of in a later trailer, but I, I, I do suspect that, you know, that's going to be right. something they don't want to give away in the very first trailer. Right, um, right. However, Radagast... Well, I mean, again, remember, we got a total of... One and a half one seconds second. in Dol Guldur? Yeah. I guess right. two if we count, or maybe three if we count Goadriel's feet. We get about two and a half seconds of Goadriel's feet and then one and a half seconds of Goadriel kissing apparently dead Gandalf. Um, and that's all we got from Dol Guldur in this trailer. So um, the omission of Radagast as he was apparently not involved either with Goadriel's feet or apparently gets no smooches, um, at least not in that scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, some of that could just be simple economy, but it is interesting um, that we didn't even get you know of all of the people we got turning their heads suddenly, we didn't get that yeah. cast um, yeah. turning and, and his head suddenly. And they didn't suddenly. even talk
3: about him in the panel, which I just, I just, I mean, I, I mean, I suppose there's a lot they didn't talk about. And poor old Graham McTavish was the only dwarf on the panel. I felt, that, I mean, he was really more there for Outlander, I think, than The Hobbit, anyway. But still, I mean, you know, and, and Stephen Colbert only asked him one question, which I thought was kind of you know there i, I wasn 't going to say this, but i 'm going to say to me, there was a lot of eighth grade humor going on On the panel, right you know, the, the type of humor is like, "Oh, you just said but <laughs> right you know that kind of humor, which was like uh... <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so there was some interesting omissions kind of which I thought was was interesting, but well i'm sure we'll see at least a, you know a fraction of a second of both of those characters in later trailers.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see something, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, Michael Valenti is still holding out hope that he's just going to retire. Uh, you know.
3: Well, you know, actually, Kate Neville and I was going to have. You, I was going to bring this up during our review uh, review of the riddles. She had a really interesting thought, which I'm sure Jackson's not going to do. But wouldn't this have been wonderful? Where where Radagast is so mo- wounded that they take him to the Gray Havens and he sails to Valinor, like like uh, like. Uh, Elron's wife. Like what happens to Elron's wife? Wouldn't that be a cool way to do it? You get Radagast out of the story, but he doesn't actually die.
1: Well, they've got to make, on the one hand, a long side trip for that. Admittedly, but um, that'd be interesting. <laughs> especially, you know, he, yeah, it, especially if his hedgehog goes with him, though. You know, I mean, it's got to be. You know his his hedgehog and his little birds, and we'd have to have like all of the woodland creatures turning out to wave goodbye to him as he as he goes away. Yeah, I know, Jonathan. Of <laughs> course, the side trip takes like five minutes. I understand that, but uh, it would still be a little that would still be a little bit odd. I don't know. I don't know. I still think. I mean, it, this is all going to be moot when Saruman kills him. But well, what can I say? Yeah. Um. Uh, okay. Um, we should let everybody go. We've kept people. Long. We've uh, fulfilled our pledge to do a three-hour episode, so I think uh, we should. Be, we should
3: be worried. Be very scared when the three-minute trailer or the two-minute trailer comes out. Uh, oh yeah. my gosh!
1: Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is just a, so we did. We did what about two and a half? Uh, no, because we talked about Comic-Con for, <laughs> Comic Con for, for forty-five hour, yeah. minutes, almost an hour at the beginning. So um, we're still only averaging about what 2 minutes a second or something like that so oh
0: okay
1: yeah two minutes we're, a we're okay that's fine <laughs> that seems perfectly appropriate i mean considering like when i'm doing a close reading of a poem i'll spend like two paragraphs per that's line true. sometimes you know so it's it's all good it's it's that's how it that's works true. man that's true can't rush it But anyway, thanks, everybody. A quick announcement before we go, or a quick reminder before we go. Tomorrow evening, the first session of my Dune class from Mythgard Academy is going. So if you are interested in reading Frank Herbert's Dune with me, uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, tomorrow, Wednesday, the 20... What is tomorrow? The 30th. Tomorrow, the 30th of July, um, we will be uh, starting Dune. So uh, I I encourage you to... uh, Get out your copy and read the first few chapters, and uh, and join us for that. So, uh, th- but and thanks everybody for joining us, uh, and uh, we look forward to future trailers. We're not, of course, going to be doing this regularly prior to the end right. of the of the Riddle Game. This is the kind of stuff we're going to be doing in the in the second part of the year, but of course we have to make an exception for the first trailer when it comes out. But anyway.
3: But the riddle game is ending relatively soon, so yeah,
1: yeah. We only have a we only have a, a few, what two or three left, I think. So yeah, yeah. I
3: think yeah. Like two or yeah, around, two and then the
1: review. Yeah, around Labor Day is when we're going to be ending that. So we're coming to the end of riddles and to the beginning of analysis. So this is uh, this is the beginning of that of that transition. But That's right. Yeah, that's right. But thanks for listening, and Godspeed.